If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And we are back with the second part of the greatest <laughs> novel in the history of Anglophone, Gay <laughs> International Literature. Just literature all around. We're not even yes. going to put it into a category because it stands alone. It's oh. <laughs> the best book ever written. <laughs> any language, any country, any continent, mm-hmm. any genre. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Nothing beats The Return of the Evil Twin. And the second half, even better than the first. Oh my God, just, I mean, if you thought the first half was bonkers, I I, I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, literally, you ain't heard nothing yet. <laughs> well, we had tagline and blurb last week mm-hmm. and uh, we also had a cover description. But this week, we of course have the very boring English cover, which I'm yeah. looking at my own unimpressive edition right now. <laughs> um... And we also have Cressida Burton's Tableau. Now, I have not seen it, but Karen just WhatsApped it to me. And I uh, we, we decided that I would not uh, look at it until we were about to discuss it. Recording. I feel like a real-time reaction is warranted. You know, it's, it's, what, it's what Cressida and her hard work deserves. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, can you describe the much, doubtless, much less impressive uh, British cover that we got over here too? Oh, uh, no, because I don't have that copy, but you do. Oh! <laughs> you have the, the OG. I have the American one, but without the little foldy outy bit. So it's just got the broken ornament on it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sorry. So look how organised we are. <laughs> we thought we were doing such a good job before we hit record. Well, you know, we were coordinating like WhatsApping tableaus. So I think true, we were doing true. our jobs. But um the the British cover, it's got the satin background. It's a sort of a midnight blue. Mm-hmm. And then there's a pink light. They obviously have the pink gel, you know, uh, oh. light filter out. Okay. Because um, everything's sort of bathed in a slightly pinkish glow on the lower half of the image. And we see a poncetta. Oh, no, it's holly leaves. Oh, Something okay. with red berries. We have some baubles. Lovely. We have some... Possibly fairy lights, but I think they're just like stars on a chain. And we do have a sort of angel statue upside down, looking quite sinister in the uh, pinky red light and some lilies. Excellent. Now, they should have been magnolias. It really should have been magnolia. I mean, come on. (laughs) But there is also a bloody knife. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. Of course. I mean, God, it just wouldn't be an evil twin book without a bloody knife, would it? No. So, you know, fair play for that. It's mm. uh, It could have been worse, I suppose. You know what? Credit where it's due. Can't go wrong with the bloody knife. <laughs> <laughs> but now, <laughs> we are going to discuss the true cover of our hearts. Indeed. I'm going to open it. <laughs> now, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. Right? Amazing. <laughs> Please describe it. 
I mean, if, if, if anything could do it justice, I think it might have to be seen to be believed. Oh, we will post it, not to worry. Oh um, I, Cressida, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but we have, uh, the Barbies have been deployed to maximum effect. We have <laughs> one Barbie in the Jessica pose lying down on a lovely, like, fluffy bed, which is actually comprised of a copy of The Evil Twin oh, yeah. uh, with some, like, pink and blue fluff on top of that. <laughs> lying down, she's wearing a, a kind of a blue, uh, like, frothy kind of top slash nightgown that's actually very in keeping with book or with TV Jessica's yes. uh, nightwear. She loves um, a tall extravaganza. does. The frillier the better. So she's uh, lying down but then uh, Elizabeth uh, <laughs> as played by Barbie with a bow in her hair and everything is, is, is looking on. She's got her hand on her arm looking, you know, I would say concerned, but it's Barbie, so she's smiling. But, you know, it's a great, it's a great recreation <laughs> of that Wakefield Pieta from yes. the cover that we discussed two weeks ago. And then, oh my God, the sinister Barbie <laughs> playing an evil twin is lurking in the background. She's wearing black trousers, shiny silver leather effect jacket. She's holding a knife. She's wearing oh. sunglasses. <laughs> 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 depicting the evil twin that's climbing out the window or heading out a doorway, isn't it, actually, in that uh, yes. US which, edition? Which, spoiler alert, is not accurate. But No, um, it's not. But look, this this is so great. It's just... It's just... It's, I don't even amazing. know. <laughs> and there is then also a copy of Return of the Evil Twin uh, propped up in the background. The background also is a beautiful Christmas pattern. I'm not sure if it's a, a blanket of some sort, but we've got lovely like Christmas trees, snowflakes. It's very festive. Oh, it's so it's... in keeping with the whole book. And it's just, I mean, 10 out of 10. Well done, Cressida. <laughs> Magnificent. I mean, just the props, the Christmas. I, I thought it was a Christmas jumper when I first saw oh, it, really? but yeah. it does it does fit in the sort of uh, Christmas wrapping papers mm-hmm. slash uh, jumper style backdrop, which adores the original. It's absolutely not the Hershey bar, but look, we're we're taking artistic license <laughs> to the maximum with that. Oh. And this is just so good. Bravo, Cressida. You've done it again. (laughs) And we very much appreciate it. Really do. (laughs) Well, let us begin the second half. Boy, (laughs) we left it on quite a dramatic point there uh, the last time, but uh, it made for a good cliffhanger, I feel like. I mean, it certainly did. In case any of you have somehow forgotten, we left on the, uh, the reunion of Nora and Queen of Our Hearts, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the next chapter begins at the Sweet Valley Inn, where Nora showers off the graveyard filth. You might remember that uh, Margo like pushed her to the ground and dragged her into a mausoleum. And um, Marco just strolled right into the bathroom, which makes Nora think of the shower scene in Psycho as well as mice. I mean, fair. Yeah. (laughs) She was holding a knife to your neck when you first met her. (laughs) Well, Margot goes full sass mouth dame and it's all like, like, set up you got here. Sweet Valley Inn, huh? La-dee-da. It sure beats my dump of the month room in somebody's basement. Whose basement? Where have you been living, Margot? I have many, (laughs) many questions of her activities over the last year. Oh my God, so many. Like, 
I, I, we'll get into them later when we yes. hear details of what yeah. she's been up to. But the, the truly unbelievable details of what she's been up to. <laughs> so, um, Nora, Margot asks why the mirror is broken and Nora reveals that she broke it because I didn't like the way it was looking at me. And Margot's just like, yeah. They do that sometimes. Um, so, you know, they're they're truly kindred spirits. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, in this sense, definitely. Yes. Uh, there are things that are kind of stressing Nora out, however, because uh, as soon as Margot came in, uh, the room filled with this dark grey smell. Uh, apparently it's cigarettes and it's kind of making Nora really tense and uneasy because she's like, OK, look, Margot is my soulmate and she's been subjected to like terrible things and she's had a horrible life. So Nora decides she's going to overlook a few foul habits for now because, of course, Margot is like a chain smoking <laughs> and not the like cleanliness obsessed kind of like niche fanatic that um, yeah. that Nora is with her like hospital corners on her bed and everything yes. scrubbed within an inch of its life and Margot is definitely not that kind of girl well we remember her boudoir in the boarding <laughs> house and uh, yeah she's um, she's smoking up a storm so we know she's evil because only bad people mm. smoke in Sweet Valley True. and uh <laughs> When Norma apologises for the mess because she didn't like give the room a full clean this morning, and uh, Norma ba- or Marco basically says, "Oh, it's a palace compared to the dump she's been living in, and um, which is full of cockroaches." And Norma is both repulsed and sympathetic um, to uh, to Marco's, mm. you know, obviously sordid lifestyle these days. <laughs> but I mean, Margot is a bit too sordid because Nora offers her, you know, she can have the shower next. Margot's like, nah, I'm just going to go to bed. Like, they've, been, they've literally been rolling around the ground of a graveyard and in a mausoleum. It's like, take a fucking shower, Margot, please. There's no way you're not absolutely manky. <laughs> So Norma, um, you know, doesn't want to just walk out of the shower naked as the day she was born. Um, so she puts her arm out and asks Margot for a towel. And then Margot spots something. <gasps> yes, Nora's <laughs> incredible and just fortune telling tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> what is amazing is that Nora, Nora or Margot is like, Oh, Gemini, right? But I thought you said you only just found out about us. I mean, it is her star sign, Margo. It's your both of your fucking star sign. It just happens to mean twins. <laughs> We've been through this. <laughs> we were through it with Nora, and now we have we have to go through it again with Margot, apparently. Yeah, they really are sisters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, Margot picks up a shard of the mirror and uh, reminisces about being glassed in the throat <laughs> last year. Yeah, she just kind of picks it up and she's like, oh, this is about the size of the shard that caught me in the throat last year after I fell through the window at that rich witch Lila Fowler's party. <laughs> oh, or it's like, I still don't understand how you survived that night. And it's like, yeah, dude, join the club. <laughs> <laughs> well, she gives her... <laughs> Her escape plan. <laughs> and it is so ridiculous. Apparently she she <laughs> practiced for years. So, it, it, sorry, it's so ridiculous. I can barely get it out. She practiced and like holding her breath and like slowing it down for uh, for for a very long time. And apparently, if you know how to do it, you can slow your pulse to the point of death. Wow, miss. <laughs> 
<laughs> so apparently Liz and Jess and company never came close enough to really know if I was breathing. And in case you were thinking, what is wrong with the ambulance people of Sweet Valley? Mm-hmm. They must have noticed. Apparently they did. But she broke her radio when nobody was looking, so they couldn't tell the hospital. Where was the radio in this ambulance? Who knows? How is she pretending to be dead and yet manages to break a radio? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But like, it all kind of falls into place then for Nora from what she read previously in the article. And she's like, oh, I see you caused the ambulance crash. And Margo's like, bingo, stick with me, sis, you'll learn a lot. Like, Margo, what's happening? (laughs) Oh, no, I love how the ambulance people are like, oh yeah, she's alive, but um, I guess we're not going to radio in or put the you know the sirens on or to show we're heading to the hospital or like there, try to revive her. We're just going to leave her there while she breaks the radio. There was a sheet over her as well on the stretcher. Like they went into great detail about it in the prologue when it was like God, yes. Elizabeth saw the magenta hem of the dress from the sheet that covered the body. It's like, well, obviously. Fucking not. Why would they, if they didn't think she was dead, why would they cover her with a sheet? Like, again, look, we did say before that none of this makes sense and we wouldn't oh, no. get hung up on it. But you know what? We're liars. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, uh, Margot reveals that she, uh, apparently she managed the accent because it's easy to take people by surprise when they think you're on their deathbed or they think you're on your deathbed and uh, mm. Nora nodded, impressed. So apparently she hits a piece of glass from the from the window, like mm-hmm. that she smashed through that went into her throat. Sure. Um, <laughs> she hit it under the sheet they threw over me. And then as soon as we turned off the Fowler's driveway, we did have words to say about the, you know, very risky move she made there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as soon as she turned off, I attacked the attendants and slashed them good. Oh, <laughs> slashed them good. Margo, you <laughs> mad bitch. I just Love her. <laughs> so uh, they go to bed and uh, I guess Margaret just rolls in covered in filth. Just <laughs> encrusted in grime and graveyard dirt. <laughs> and Nora is all self-conscious so she gets changed under the sheets to Margot's bemusement. Mm. And uh, Margot resumes her tale and she reveals that the Wakefield twins have a psychic connection. <laughs> Yeah, so she reckons that uh, that they might have one as well. So she asks Nora if she ever hears voices in her head telling her what to do. And of course, Nora kind of sits up when she hears this and she's like, what kind of voices? <laughs> Margo's like, yeah, I don't know, you know, raspy, low voices. Sometimes they make fun of me or give me instructions. And she's like, patience. Now, <laughs> now and then, especially when I'm getting close to achieving a goal, they kind of become part of me. They talk through me. Does that <gasps> make sense? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. We're as mad as each other. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, apparently the voices are legion now. There's, mm. you know, there used to be only one. Now yeah. there's loads. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nora admits that she too has been hearing the voices, but it only started recently. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, she, then she whispers, and sometimes I hear your voice. <gasps> So Margot is the voice? I don't know. It's we're playing very fast and loose with the voice in this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, at times, spoiler alert, Jessica becomes the voice or oh, our voice. I mean, it's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> if we thought things went off the rails earlier, we truly the, the the track is out of sight completely. Like we've gone over <laughs> the fucking cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. 
<laughs> like Todd. Like Todd and Jackson's bluff. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Right. <laughs> More to be said about that. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, we cut to the carnival. Um, so I guess this is not New Year's Eve. The twins and Ken and Todd are just mm-hmm. checking it out and everyone's having a great time. Everything's cool between the twins. And Jessica suggests going to the fortune teller, Madame Renata. Ooh. But um, the boys aren't interested. The Todd says he's receiving a vision and the great and powerful Todd sees hot dogs. And uh, <laughs> he sees hot dogs in Ken Matthews future too it's just so homoerotic it was <laughs> wild because <laughs> Liz is just like rolling her eyes at Todd when he's doing all this but he ignores her and he's like I definitely see hot dogs in your future Matthews he repeated very big hot dogs <laughs> yeah he does wow <laughs> <laughs> Well, they head off in search of very big hot dogs. Um, And uh, the the twins head to the tent. Jessica volunteers to watch some nearby hunks playing the test your strength machine. And uh, Liz heads in to the the tent. So, meanwhile, back in the Sweet Valley Inn, Nora gazes in fascination as Margot uh, hoovers up a third hot dog in a row. I don't know why they made this hot dogs as well. That was some weird kind of... Sweet Valley Synergy. It's like everyone's eating hot dogs today. <laughs> but yeah, Margot ordered room service and has just been absolutely horsing the hot dogs into her. <laughs> and Nora's just kind of slightly disgusted, but she's like fighting back nausea as she's like, oh, you know, I've just never seen anyone who looks exactly like me eat three hot dogs in a row. Um, and Margot is just like, oh, they're good hot dogs. <laughs> And then she's all like, oh, it's pretty wild, the two of us, I mean. It's just like looking in a mirror. I mean, Margo, you've literally been stalking like your two lookalikes for, <laughs> I don't know, a year and a half at this stage. So, shouldn't be too surprised by it. If anything, it's surprising that there's two other girls that look exactly like you. Like, surely your own one is <laughs> not that big a surprise <laughs> to look like you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they marvel at their physical similarities and Norma feels that a missing piece of herself has been found. Like, she's got her kindred spirit Spirit at last. Oh. Um, Margot has finally had a wash, by the way. So yeah, her, thank God. <laughs> her hair, which I guess the, the blonde's all grown out at this stage, it's as straight and silky as Nora's own. And uh, mm. it's, it's black once more. Yes. And uh, Margot talks about the, the Wakefields, you know, having this psychic connection and uh, they often have the same dreams. She knows all about this. Because she's been going back into the fucking house a stealing or reading this diary. She, yeah, every now and then she borrows Elizabeth's diary for a few hours, even as parts of it photocopied. And it's like, so Marco, Marco has literally been just like <laughs> knocking around Sweet Valley for the last year, sneaking into the Wakefield's house and nobody has noticed. Ned <laughs> and Alice, did you learn nothing Clearly not. Like, <laughs> gas. Like I, well, it, I was going to say it would nearly make me want to reread the last few books, but that would mean Jessica's secret sex offender. No, 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 reading no. That again. But basically, there is a way to read all those books <laughs> where you have Margot just like skulking around in the background, like a fucking cartoon villain, just like on a tiptoe, <laughs> sneaking in and out of fucking windows, up and down drain pipes. I don't know how she's doing it, but like. <laughs> He's somehow managing to just like, yeah, sneak around Sweet Valley for a solid year with the same face as the Wakefields. Uh, well, there's a lot of issues in that, uh, that specific 
problem. <laughs> but we will reveal more later. Um, so yeah, Margaret's just been sneaking in and out, in out of the casa because the Wakefields never locked their doors despite Ooh. their <laughs> many brushes with crime. <laughs> and uh, she says that um, uh, she's she's learned a lot uh, from all this. And Nicholas, or Nicholas, <laughs> Nor- <laughs> asks, another psychopath. You were talking about someone creeping around and Nicholas just immediately comes to mind. I mean. <laughs> Nora asks, is there a lot of juicy stuff in there about that gorgeous boyfriend and, of hers? And Margaret rolls her eyes and says, not as much as you think. Elizabeth is such a prude. She makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Uh, this horrifies Nora, by the way, but um, she can't think of Margot puking hot dogs everywhere. So she shows her extensive notes from Paramore Librarian PI yes. and reveals that she herself has been hanging out in lots of places where the Wakefield's friends are. So she's somehow overheard about the big New Year's Eve bash. So many questions. Oh my she gosh. has the same face as the Wakefield's, except with the black hair. Like how... I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Is she wearing a fake nose when she does this? Like, there must be more to it than just wearing a fucking baseball cap, if even that. Like, surely just the dark hair isn't enough. Oh. I just, it just can't be. I mean, we all remember Jessa Fields. Like, what dark hair. <laughs> we just be like, oh, Jessica's off on one again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, apparently she's been just roaming around town. And like, they do never mention, in case any... Uh, listeners who haven't read the book are wondering they never mention any attempts at like disguise from Nora no. or Margot while they're uh, spying on the Wakefields all, all you know for, for weeks and months on end mm-hmm. so uh, yeah they know Nora knows about the big New Year's Eve bash and uh, Margot loves the idea of some carnival fun especially the House of Mirrors yeah, she uh, she reckons that really has possibilities. Um, and Nora's like, okay, what are you talking about? So Marco's like, well, you said you wanted to make the Wakefields suffer. We're almost ready to do it. But Nora's kind of surprised by this because she's like, well, I came here to avenge your death, as one does. Yeah. Um, but she's like, but you're alive. So now I don't have to do it anymore. But Marco's like, oh, yes, you do. We both do. <gasps> so Margo reveals that she still has the same thing in mind as she did last year. But now it's doubled because <laughs> apparently, because, you know, they both know that they were screwed out of their like happy childhood and perfect family. So Nora's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Jessica and Elizabeth don't deserve everything they have, but we do. So Margo's like, yes, we can make the Wakefield family pay for that. Um, So yeah, she reckons the Wakefield twins' lives should have been ours and they still can be. So now there's two of them, they're going to replace both twins. Yes. <laughs> By the way, as uh, Kay did said in the... Um, in the comments, mm-hmm. uh, she said, um, seriously, how the fuck do you look at how your life and that of your sister were clearly and maliciously and comprehensively mm-hmm. ruined by Blanche in several different documented and admitted ways and conclude that you must take your violent revenge on some random Californian girls for existing while looking like you? How are you not going after actual villain Blanche? How indeed. I mean, truly, that would be the reasonable thing to do. (laughs) Like, if anyone deserves a murder spree done to her, (laughs) it's Blanche. (laughs) True. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we cut back to the carnival where Liz is impressed by the atmospheric tent of Madame Renata, mm. the fortune teller. So Madame Renata takes her palm and then she freezes and she's like, there's more than one of you. And Liz is like, oh yeah, that's, well, yeah, I do have a twin sister. But yeah. Madame Renata says, no, there's more to us than that. And her fingers are trembling and so is her voice. Yeah, so the fortune teller is getting really freaked out, which is then making Elizabeth a little bit panicky because she's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I thought this was all just going to be like a bit of a laugh. But she's like, what do you see? And she's kind of like her voice is rising and the tent feels cold and she's starting to shiver. And she's like, oh, fucking hell. So she's staring at the fortune teller and Madame Renata's eyes had grown huge and were as dark as the blackest night. Uh, suddenly, she, she seemed older than time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Madame Renata warns her. She says, be careful. Be very careful if you want to reach the new year alive. <laughs> so Liz, is, her shivering grows more violent and she shakes her head wordlessly and then races from the tent, not crying, but wondering if she'll ever be free from Madame Renata's scent of incense. Uh, because unlike many teenage girls, Liz does not have some patchouli incense burning in her room. Oh, surely everybody had an incense phase. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, not Liz. Not really surprised. <laughs> so we cut to the next day and Nora and Margot are in a rented Jeep. <laughs> um, they have rented a Jeep that looks exactly like the twins' Jeep. Got to say one thing, they won't be the same. The registration plates. Oh, look, I mean... <laughs> yes, obviously the fucking plates. And yes, it doesn't matter. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Nora doesn't like the new car or I guess car air freshener smell. Um, but uh, she she understands that they need the Jeep for their deadly game. And they're watching the Casa from a nearby alley because I guess Calico Drive has alleys. Sure. <laughs> and the girl's uh, Jeep is still there. But um, apparently they're going to be going to a meeting soon. They heard some girls at the mall say that there was a carnival planning session. It's all just so unlikely, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, I know everyone's life does kind of revolve around the Wakefields, so maybe we shouldn't be that surprised that people are spending their downtime just loudly talking about what the twins are up to every day. Oh, that is a good point. You know, it's like, oh, I heard that they're going to a carnival planning meeting. Oh, wow. I didn't hear that. Do you think they're both going? Yeah. What time? 11 a.m. Shut up. (laughs) Though you would think those Wakefield obsessives would notice the two girls looking exactly like them, sitting next to them in the, I don't know, the ice cream parlour. Fucking hanging around the mall. Like, just, no, come on. So, as the the evil twins Mm -hmm. wait for the Wakefields to leave the casa, Margot decides that they can use the time in a little quiz. Amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> so her first question is, what's Jessica's favourite colour? Hmm. Nora automatically is like purple. <laughs> and then she asks, what do the twins drive before the Jeep? <laughs> and again, Nora is straight in there. She's like, their mom's old Fiat, Fiat convertible. <laughs> and uh, by the way, Nora's already wearing uh, coloured contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you, somebody who has been wearing contact lenses for like over 30 years at this stage, there's no fucking way Nora's just getting used to like within 
24 hours just popping them in and taking them out straight away. <laughs> but I guess we will buy this. Uh, we are also told with her blue-green eyes and her uh, and her hair, which I can't remember if she wearing a wig or have they dyed their hair no, yet? No, I think at this stage it's still a wig. Oh yeah, so um, yeah. she's got the blonde hair, she's got the blue-green eyes and uh, apparently she looks exactly like Liz. She's in full <laughs> Liz drag. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the twins leave the casa and... Nora looks at them and they're, you know, happy badinage. And then the voice says, they have no right to be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) And Nora is a little bit freaked out by this. So she kind of turns to Margot because she's wondering, has she heard the same thing? And she's like, she hasn't said anything. And it's like, oh God, she obviously hasn't heard the voice either. Or like, it's it's just in my head. So so she's about to tell her about it. (laughs) <laughs> but then Marco <laughs> opens her mouth first. She does. <laughs> Do it in the voice. <laughs> so quietly, Marco says, They have no right to be so happy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> she is the voice. She's also the voice. What's going on with the voice? Oh, the voice, <laughs> c'est moi. It's everywhere. It's all of us. We're all trying to <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nora's like feeling even more connected um, to Margot now and they kind of she like squeezes her shoulder and they're just like okay we really are in sync here this is amazing um, so they're also eyeballing what the twins are wearing as they're heading down the driveway oh my god <laughs> um, they, they decided to chance uh, wearing jeans today um, the, the Chappelle girls and it turns out that was a good choice because both twins are wearing their jeans um, so Nora does end up kind of redoing her hair because Liz has it in Beret rather than in a ponytail and then Margot rummages through a shopping bag full of clothes because she has been working for a, a year on duplicating items in the twins wardrobes so uh, <laughs> she's been like buying and shoplifting <laughs> duplicates of every bit of clothing that Jessica and Liz have and now with Nora's money from Blanche they've been able to add a lot more to Margot's collection so so when Margot sees what Jessica is wearing she's able to like rummage around and pull out the exact same thing from one of her bags and the same for for Nora so they have matching outfits to what the twins are wearing they do from Margot's portable Wakefield kit mm-hmm. and Nora is glad that Liz is wearing long sleeves today because it uh, that similar outfit hides Nora's tattoo uh-huh. I mean I, I am my mind is still reeling at the idea that you would be able to duplicate the exact wardrobe of somebody who has probably you know some items of clothing that are a few years old at this stage but now Nora has managed it and they're fucks to her yeah, that is comprehensive. Like that is very detailed studying that they've been doing. Yes. <laughs> so the twins or um the Wakefield just, twins. To specify which twins now. Yes. <laughs> the place the, is fucking wall-to-wall twins. <laughs> the Wakefield twins leave and the Chappelle twins do another quiz. And it is even better as Margot rounds the corner onto Calico Drive and their fake Jeep. The first question, what's Lila Fowler's favourite ice cream flavour? Million dollar mocha, Nora shouted out. It's the shouting. (laughs) And then, which Wakefield twin has kissed Bruce Batman? Oh, that's a trick question, Nora objected. Very sneaky, but you can't fool me. Both twins have kissed him. They think he's kind of a jerk, though, even if he is rich and gorgeous. (laughs) 
And Margot is impressed by her knowledge, then says, who's the funniest kid in junior class? And of course, there's only one answer. I mean, Winston Egbert. (laughs) (laughs) So Nora apparently has already like figured out all this, that she's like, yeah, Liz likes him as a friend. Jessica has better taste, though. She thinks he's a dweeb. (laughs) I mean, again, we've had stuff recently with like Winston being sort of treated as a like... uh, as, as some sort of loser, but mm-hmm. um, like he's dating a cheerleader. He is he's one of the like, popular kids. Like yeah. he just is. <laughs> Everyone likes him. Yeah. Well, the twin, the, the Chappelle twins, pull up to the casa, and they just walk right in because again, oh they don't lock the fucking door. Nope. <laughs> and you might remember last time Margot was prancing around the casa, Alice was in a sort of a fugue state. And mm, was not herself. No. But she has mm. no excuse for what happens next. Oh my God. None whatsoever. So the two of them just like breeze into the kitchen. Nora's delighted because the house smells like coffee and it's a homey, creamy mist to her and her fucking extreme synesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> and Alice just looks up from her uh, newspaper and she's like, oh, what are you two doing back already? So Nora's delighted because she's like, well, look, if I can't have my own mother, at least I have this replacement mother that's going to be mine now um, because she's so gorgeous. Doesn't even have a streak of grey in her hair. Um, oh, really, God. Worst I know, time. Yeah, imagine. And, <laughs> and she's uh, really stylish in her little outfit. Uh, and then she reckons that Ned looks even more handsome today than he did through the window on Christmas Eve. Ned is like, thought you two were worried about being late. <laughs> like... <laughs> They basically just pretend to be Liz and Jessica and the worst parents in the world. I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> don't think anything is amiss here. They're just like, yes, these are our daughters. Absolutely shocking. I mean, not really sh- shocking if it was a normal person, but um, I guess it shouldn't be shocking for them given their form. <laughs> just so terrible. Like, how do you not know these are not your children? Like, Nora, whatever with Margot, because Margot was like, you know, like had had some practice. This yes. is Nora's first time. She has never heard the voice of a Wakefield. And yet, despite just coming from Savannah, <laughs> she's able to do a perfect Liz Wakefield voice that befools her own mother and father. It's wild altogether. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, we talked about this when Margot was doing this before, but like people, I think you're part of your animal brain would know that people smell differently. Like their clothes smell of like mm. detergent, like whatever deodorants they use. They just have their own smell. True. And we're not really conscious of it. But I think you would notice if you kissed two people, like they give them a little kiss on the cheek or the head, top of the head. Quiet, yeah. You are... Total strangers. You're just like, bye, kids. <laughs> They're wearing wigs. It's not even their real hair. Uh, that entire 50 grand go on lace front wigs. Like, I what's mean. happening? How good are these wigs? Because there's just no fucking way. Like, Alice literally kisses them both on the forehead. And it's like, your face is in a shitty wig. And just like, Those are my daughters. <laughs> so, yeah. Then that'll say we'll be uh, you'll be home alone tonight because we're going to the Egberts for dinner after work. And Alice says that Enid left a message. Uh, apparently, she and Liz are going to a screening of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You might remember there's a horror season, classic horror mm. season, going on at the cinema. Cinema, and uh, it's like, oh yeah, Jessica, you and Ken are going too, right? And uh, Margot's like, oh yeah, we are. But um, 
but you know, how dumb. Personally, I'm a lot more interested in Ken's body. Says a lot about the Wakefields that oh her parents, like Jessica's parents, are like, yes, perfectly normal thing for her to say in front of us. That is absolutely appropriate uh, thing to say in front of your parents about your boyfriend. <laughs> but yeah, they're just like, yep, that checks out. See you, Jessica. <laughs> So they head off, oblivious as usual, and uh, the Chappelle's high five and Nora's like, I want this life at any price and no one will stand in my way. And Margo's like, well, you shall have it. Um, So uh, she wants to go through Liz's diary again, just to, you know, get a few updates. Nora has a a plan. Oh, so, oh, yeah, well, she, wait, Nora. She wants to divide and conquer. She says the only way it can work is oh. if we divide and conquer. And Margo, I mean, Margo, I thought you know better than this. She's like, what do you mean? And Nora's like, well, you know, we're going to have to, uh, the only way we'll get away with popping in and out of our of their lives, doubling <laughs> up trouble, is um, if they don't compare notes. I mean, yes. very obvious. Well, that's the thing. And this is, to be fair, it is quite a good plan. So they're just going to try and yeah, drive a wedge between the twins. So if they're not speaking to each other, neither of them will be able to bring anything up that'll make the other go, wait, that wasn't me. Or like for them to be able to figure out that something's gone wrong or weird or yeah. something's amiss. So yeah, so they reckon that, uh, yeah, Margot's really impressed by this plan. But again, this seems like something Margot should have thought of. Yeah. But, um, she is impressed by Nora's uh, ingenuity and she's like, you're good at this. Almost too good. I thought <laughs> I was the criminal mastermind of this operation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, she says that, um, you know, this is great because if we're not spending time together, one twin won't realise something weird is going on when we get to the other one first, kill her and dispose of the body. And Nora's like, God, you know, a month ago, I thought that was weird. (laughs) That was the old Nora. (laughs) Now this kind of conversation gives her a rush of power and she feels strong, like she can do anything. She's got Margot by her side. She's got the weird raspy voice in her head. (laughs) Oh my god, she was like 14 years ago, you and I were torn apart. Now we will tear the Wakefield twins apart. It's what they deserve. (gasps) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Margot is only delighted with uh, her new accomplice and she's got a new plan. She rings a number uh, on the Wakefield's phone and it's like, quiz time. Whose number did I just dial? And Nora, of course, knows that it's Todd Wilkins. And then Margot puts on a Liz voice uh, on the phone. Is like, hi, Todd. What are you doing tonight? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say now, all these schemes are so fucking risky. Like, mm. there's so... It's it's just a blessing for Margot and Nora that, as proved in the last Evil Twin book, that the denizens of Sweet Valley are so fucking clueless that they do not notice when two people are in different places at the same time and they never compare notes. Never, no, never. Like, like they just, it's its baffling. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially this scenario, as you will see. So Todd arrives at the casa. He's relieved that Liz is acting normally. Uh, in fact, she gives him a more passionate kiss than, uh, than of late. Mm. And he does notice something different. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, uh, you know, did you get your hair cut or something? And she says, don't be silly. I'm exactly the same as I've always been. Hmm. But you might recall that when Todd finally kissed Margot in uh, in The Evil Twin, he knew straight away it wasn't Liz. 
That's true. Yeah, he knew straight away. Like, in fairness, we have to give him some tiny bit of credit <laughs> that at that stage he was like, wait a sec, that's not my girlfriend. Um, but I think he's just so relieved that she's being nice to him because, of course, mm, in the yeah. first half of the book, Liz was just really snappy and weird with Todd because she was just freaking out thinking that him and Jessica were like carrying on behind her back or something. Yes. Like that something going on. So he's just like, okay, she, she's happy to see me. This is good. <laughs> so... We cut to the point of view of Nora. For is oh she? <laughs> Nora, you sneaky bitch. Yeah, she's making out with Todd in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Having a great time. Yeah, they're late for the film because of all their uh, carrying on. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's. we learned she's wearing the same outfit as the real Jessica. Um, can we say what it is? Because it's sort of... Yeah, no, we can. Because um, to be honest, it gets quite confusing from here on in, I think, with the twins in fairness, yeah. or, or the two sets of twins and what everyone's wearing and duplicating outfits. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, she's got a she's got a duplicate of the blouse Jessica bought the week before and Ken, Jess, or sorry, Elizabeth bought it the week before. Jessica borrowed it wearing her own date with Ken. Yes. And uh, Nora suggests they sit right up the front. Again, a very risky scheme given that the real Jessica is in the fucking cinema. This is the thing. She knows Jessica's in the cinema, but when they walk in, she doesn't actually see her and Ken anywhere, but she does see Liz and Enid sitting in like the fourth yeah. row. So she's like, okay, well, we're going to have to be very visible for this plan that we're enacting here. Um, So yeah, so she marches Todd down to the front row and she's like, it's a good place to sit because it's easier to get good and scared that way at this horror movie. So we cut to Liz and she's gripped by the spectacle of Donald Sutherland being horrified by the fact that his girlfriend Elizabeth, uh, for that is the character's name, has been taken over by the pod people in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is a genuinely scary film. It, I've never seen it and now I don't need to because they basically recap the entire final scene of it. I can't believe they do that because so I, I remember when, already with like, was it um, in American Werewolf? In London, didn't yes. they do that with that as well? It's just like a few pages of just this is the plot of London. <laughs> I will spoil it for you. Full of spoilers. Because <laughs> the ending of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, like this that ver- the Donald Sutherland version, like is actually quite a shock when you see it for the first time. Not if you've read this book, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say that like Donald Sutherland uh is like hiding from the pod people who take you over when you're sleeping <gasps> and Liz is terrified um, especially when you reach the last scene and uh, it's let's just say it's not a very optimistic ending a lot of you mm. will probably have seen it and know it well but uh, let's just say pod people are victorious yeah <laughs> And Liz admits that she was really freaked out by the uh, by the film and the whole, you know, she thinks maybe it's just because there was a character called Elizabeth who was like replaced by a pod person. But Enid doesn't answer because she's looking at something. <gasps> yeah, um, she follows Enid's gaze because she's like, what, what is it? But she, then she sees in the front row, because apparently there's been this couple in the front row that have been like kissing and necking all the way through and kind of blocking mm-hmm. her view. But then she realises when the lights come on that it's Todd and mm. Jessica... What? <laughs> and Jessica meets Liz's gaze in a mixture of surprise and triumph. And understandably, this one's away crying. Well, yeah, I mean, as you would. <laughs> yep. So later, the real Jessica is dropped home by Ken. And to be honest, I think that the ghostwriter really missed a trick by having Jessica in the actual cinema because it creates such a massive fucking plot hole for the confusion mm. that follows. And like, why not have Jessica and Ken even at another 
date or like Jessica having no way to prove her whereabouts. She could have just been home alone, you know, with no Ned and Alice. But anyway, she is dropped by Ken, a witness to, if anybody bothered asking, to prove yeah. that she was not in the cinema. <laughs> and as she goes in, she hears something rustling in the bush. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the rhododendrons are moving. <laughs> It's just a bird. It is the middle of the night, so that's not yeah. likely. Just a, just a night bird. It's fine. It's an owl. Ah. <laughs> so she arrives in to be greeted by an angry Liz. Oh, Liz is like a fucking wraith of some sort. She is screaming <laughs> and charging down the steps of the stairs, just shrieking, how dare you? <laughs> and Jessica, understandably, it's absolutely mystified. She's like, how dare I? What? What are you talking about? She's like, look, whatever I did, can we talk about it tomorrow? I just had a great date and I don't want you to spoil it for me now. <laughs> and of course, that sets Liz off even more. Yeah. And she just rants and waves. She never actually says, you know, tells Jessica what she has done, which would allow Jessica to go, just win Ken. I was with him. Yes. And everything would be solved. <laughs> you see, Margot and Nora probably were factoring in the fact that the twins are dumb as shit and they never talk <laughs> properly to each other. They just Nobody uh, fucking communicates in this town and they are playing it to their advantage in fairness to them. <laughs> that's true. She did learn that in her last adventure. So fair. <laughs> um, so uh, Liz says she hates Jessica. Never forgive her. Runs out mm. of the house. Yeah. We cut to the bush, our favourite location. <laughs> I mean, top 10 Sweet Valley location. Well, <laughs> and top of all time scene follows because Margot congratulates Nora on successfully causing a rift between the twins. And uh, Nora says, you know, she played Liz tonight, but she can't wait for the ultimate challenge being Jessica. What? Yeah, she says, Todd's cute, but I like blonde guys. And Margo's like, you can't be Jessica. I'm Jessica. <laughs> it's like, why do you get to be Jessica? And Margo shrugs. And she's like, because I was Elizabeth last year. Now it's your turn. Like, and this is such like sisterly bickering. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. Because Nora's like, but that's why you should be Liz. Because you've got more experience being her. Like, I thought you'd become Liz permanently. And Margo's like, no way. That's one of the reasons it didn't work out. I'm not a convincing Liz. I mean, you actually were worryingly. Um, (laughs) Then she says, look, Nora, I'm too much of a partier to be that goody two-shoes. She doesn't know how to have fun. She doesn't stay out late. And she's been dating Paddy Boy forever. (laughs) It's amazing. <laughs> it gets better because Nora's like, I thought you liked Todd. And Marco shrugs. I do, but not for months and months. Did you know that in all this time, Todd has never even managed to get Elizabeth out of her clothes? It's positively sick. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh my god, it's incredible. But like, yeah, Nora is still pleading her case and she's like, well, I'm sure you could convince him too. I bet she could. Oh god. Margot is just not having it though. She's just absolutely ruling it out. There's no way she's going to be Liz. Well, she points out, you're the neat freak of this duo, not me. I'm even more of a slob than Jessica. Sorry, but this is the way it has to be. So Nora's crestfallen and she's like, oh, I'm thinking, I thought we were soulmates. Why are we fighting about this? And uh, she, she never, she never imagined herself arguing with her soulmate. But on the other hand, Nora had her heart set on becoming Jessica Wakefield, not Elizabeth. Mm. And 
she sort of ar- she tries to argue that like Blanche tried to get her to act like Elizabeth all her life and she doesn't fit that mold. And uh Margaret's like, ah, oh, but this Blanche witch was into all that debutante stuff, you know, clothes and uh parties and stuff. And she's and Margot tries to make uh manipulate Nora by saying, Well, you know. That's the kind of thing Jessica likes. So you'll be actually doing what Blanche wants if you become <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> like, I don't know about this, Margo. Yeah. Uh, and Nora is not convinced. She's like, um, yeah, that's totally different. But then Margo uh, keeps going. And she's like, well, you've also got that tattoo on your arm. We can hide it way better if you're if you're Liz because she wears long sleeves more often. But then Nora points out they can't hide <laughs> it forever. And sooner or later, the parents are going to see her arm and there's no way she'd ever convince them that Elizabeth would get a tattoo. But Jessica... You know, they'd be a bit ticked off, but they'd believe it's something she'd do, which is also a fair point. A hundred percent true. But Margot shakes her head. This is my show. And Nora detects a hint of menace in her voice. <laughs> and she says, the cast includes me in the role of Jessica and you as Elizabeth. There are no understudies. Look, I wouldn't be so sure. There's already four of you running around with the same so Nora Phillips is like on the verge of tears and she's like well just think about it we don't have to decide now and Margo's like nope we're not deciding right now because it was made the decision was made a year ago and I'm Jessica and and Nora's like okay Hmm. Margo is a bit suspicious but she's Hmm. you know she's like okay fair enough but uh we we are told that Nora wasn't ready to give up her dream (gasps) (laughs) well we cut to Liz just roaming the streets of Sweet Valley, sobbing. Pretty much, yeah. Her tears are falling freely as she walks. Um Good heavens. So yeah, she's just thinking back to how the accident, Todd's mm. car crash accident, was when things all started to go wrong because, you know, she realised that they have some secret bond now and it's been driving her mad all this time. But um, yeah, she then figures that maybe Jessica and Todd decided to cool things off around Christmas time and that's how her and Jess made up. But uh, now clearly it was all lies and they both betrayed her. And how could they do this to her? And then she kind of looks up and realises that she's standing outside Todd's house. So he starts throwing pebbles up the window. Todd sticks his head out in his pajamas. Is like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, he goes down to her. And when she starts ranting and raving, oh my uh, god, she is screaming outside his house in the middle of the night. <laughs> We're told Elizabeth had gone stark raving mad. Todd, deci- Todd decided as he stomped to the front door. She'd been a maniac ever since the first <laughs> night of his accident. First acting as if she was grateful he, if he was alive. And the very next minute, just treating him, treating him as if she'd like to kill him. I mean, he's not wrong. She has been no. acting incredibly weirdly. This is the thing. Even before like Nora was pretending to be her, she was really like keeping him on his toes big time. He just did not know what was coming down the line for him at any point. But at this point, he's had enough. He's like, for fuck's sake, like she she was all over me at the movies tonight and now she's coming here screaming, <laughs> talking like she wants to break my kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> she's literally screaming at the top of her lungs outside. Uh, like he's glad his parents are at the back of the house. I yeah. would say they can hear her. Um <laughs> And uh, she's like, don't touch me after what you did tonight. She's like, what are you talking about? And he's, she keeps saying things like, I was there, Todd. I saw you. And uh, basically worries that she's been taken over by the pod people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, Liz, you're starting to scare me. Like, let's talk about this. What's wrong? You look like you were having a perfectly good time earlier tonight. And she's like, oh, I did, did I? So you knew I was there. And you, and then again, she kind of stops. And like, she just never actually says Anything. I and she just yeah. keeps saying, I saw you. It was bad enough behind my back, but out in front of everyone, how could you? And like, 
reasonably he's oh. like i have no idea what you're talking about like can i just pick you up tomorrow and we'll drive somewhere quiet and figure out what this misunderstanding is she's like misunderstanding misunderstanding <laughs> like she is screaming <laughs> and he's like look you know we had such a good time at the movies and she's like oh, and slaps him across the face storms off oh my god <laughs> Fairness, poor dad. Like he doesn't know what the fuck is going oh, on. He does not deserve any of it. She has no. been like unhinged the entire yeah. time, and he is worried about her. Like he's just standing in his pajamas, but then he's like, oh, "Shit, you don't want to have to." Her. Like you never know what sort of psychos lurked in the dark. Then he thinks Elizabeth met any psychos while she was in her current mood. The psychos were the ones who need protection. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> So we cut to the next day and I think we do have to mention what Jessica yes. is is dressing uh, mm-hmm. up in today. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So she's wearing a purple blouse. Now, they don't say if it's silk or not, but like, of course it is. I'm assuming. Uh, so she's wearing a purple blouse uh, tucked into her black jeans. Mm. Um, but apparently the blouse is kind of wrinkled and she's kind of humming and hawing about what to do because she hates ironing. So she's not going to deal with all that. Um, so instead of um, <laughs> instead of ironing it or doing it or you know changing it, she's like, nah, I'll just distract them, and she's like, opens a few more buttons on the black. <laughs> I mean, it's a good approach if you look like Jessica, I guess. Well, I guess, look, you get away with a lot. But uh, she's also wearing matching purple and gold earrings as well. Yes, so she's got quite the coordinated little outfit going on. She certainly does. So we get a little recap of last year because she remembers, you know, it is New Year's Eve now mm-hmm. and she remembers the drama of the previous year ago. I mean, allegedly. Just a come year. on. With a bonus Christmas thrown in there. Several bonus Christmases. <laughs> so she knows she did nothing wrong this time, but she doesn't want to give up on Liz and end the year in a sour note. So she, mm. she makes an overture of peace, yes. but Liz just slams the door in her face and uh, she's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to have to hope she gets over whatever weird phase she's going in, she's going through. And she, uh, Ken arrives at the house. So on her way down, she does have a little flashback to last year, but she shakes it off and heads out with Ken to the carnival. Yeah, it's kind of just a creepy feeling that's just like that she should stay at home tonight. But she's like, oh, yes. it's just a memory from last year. It's not anything serious. Yeah. So we cut to the carnival where Enid is, or sorry, Liz is waiting for Enid. And hmm. understandably, she wanted to bail, but because she's on the committee and we know how much they like admin, oh, she knows she can't. Yeah. <laughs> so the event is a huge success. The carnival's packed. The atmosphere is amazing. There's like a big tent that everybody's going to, you know, it's going to be used for dancing mm-hmm. later on. And everyone's in a great mood apart from Liz. And Todd approaches and tries to make peace, but she literally just turns her back on him. Oh, God. Yeah, poor Todd. He's just like, I don't know what's going on with her. So he just sighs softly and moves oh. away. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> like, he wants to go home, but of course he too is on the committee, so he can't. Um, so he finds Enid, and again, this is so annoying. I mean, of all the contrived fights that, that mm-hmm. have taken place in this series, this is top tier because he finds Liz and was like you know what's wrong with with Liz why is she being so weird like could could you do you have any idea and Nina's just like you've got to be kidding you creep you've got the nerve to play dumb after what you did to her and he's like I have no idea what I did to her yeah, yeah. he's like we were at the movie that night and and Nina's like you mean you even have the gall to admit it and again like no specifics and she's like I never would have believed a Todd if I hadn't seen you with my own eyes and all anyone says to him is I saw you we saw you I saw you with my own eyes and he's like doing what? <laughs> so poor Todd is just like oh, 
this because Enid just stomps off on him and he's just standing there like even more mystified than before which yeah. is fair enough poor Dodd like we don't often have <laughs> that much sympathy for him but in this book like oh. the poor guy doesn't know what's going on a hundred percent and then, like again it's that soap opera thing where somebody will just walk off before you could get an explanation or yeah. like ask another question so Tom's just like <laughs> oh, oh well I guess that's that then yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we cut to Ken and Jessica and they're getting off the Ferris wheel and Jessica does feel guilty for not telling Todd why Liz is upset, you know, um, because she didn't want to. This is also really stupid because this yeah. would also get everything out in the open and they could just go talk to Liz. But anyway, she doesn't want Ken to hear this weird accusation because he, I mean, I don't know why, because he was in the cinema himself. Yeah, it's very weird. I still don't know if Jessica even knows what Liz thinks no, she, think she did, she, does she? She did say it in when she confronted her when she came home. Okay. At least yeah, I think the, she this, did. It's all very confusing. <laughs> Who knows what? Because no one says anything properly. But I think, yeah, she for the most part, she just doesn't want Ken to know that Liz thinks there's something oh, going on between yes. Todd and Jessica. Yes. Um, oh, by the way, I yeah, had... I've just I've just checked and she did very explicitly say to Jessica, you were basically getting off with Todd in the front row. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, Ken would hardly think that there's anything going on if he, was, if he hears, yes, I, you were making out. She thinks I was making out with Todd when I was in the same screening with you. <laughs> with like, you. <laughs> yeah. They were up at like a back row or in a balcony or something, yeah. which is why Nora didn't spot her when they came in. But like... <laughs> Yeah, again, it's all just kind of talking around things so nobody says anything out <laughs> Of course. So Jessica, uh, you know, obviously she doesn't like feeling guilty for more than a split second. So mm-hmm. she puts toddles out of her brain and suggests going into the uh, tunnel of love. And Ken says, Jessica, he cried, you're insatiable. We've been through that thing at least four times this evening. What goes on in the tunnel of love? <laughs> Is it just like a little gondola that you dry home each other in? Like, what's happening? I mean, hand jobs probably, but who knows? <laughs> Poor Ken. He's just a dried out husk at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> he has some worn down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd have a little nap now, Jessica. Come on. Yeah. Jets girl, Jesus. (laughs) We know how horny she is. Remember the thing with Sam where they literally could not be in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) Too dangerous. (laughs) So she wants to have a go with the Hall of Mirrors. She likes Mm -hmm. the sort of, you know, weird vibe, but Ken finds them creepy and uh, he says he'll go and get snacks and then they'll meet in the big dancing tent. Yes. So Jessica goes off to find Lila and see if she can come to the Hall of Mirrors with her. She does have a little twinge of danger, a little, tw- I guess, does it count as a twin tuition moment? I guess it's just Plato psychic moment. It's Yeah, it's more like, yeah, I guess just regular intuition that her kind of, her gut is telling her to admit that maybe she should actually stay with Ken and that it's yes. safer to do that. But instead she goes off to find Lila because she's like, oh, I'll drag Lila into the Hall of Mirrors. That's, that's what I'll do. Yeah. But uh, Lila refuses because she wants to go and see Madame Renata. And uh, Jessica's like, well, you know, what's the point? In your future, I see a wardrobe to die for, a great house and even more money. And then it's like, see, now you don't have to wait. You can just, I've told your fortune for you. (laughs) But uh, no joy. Lila can't be moved. So Jessica heads to the Hall of Mirrors alone. Hmm. And when she gets there... She, like she she goes in and the door sort of thuds behind her and it's totally silent. Like all the noise outside has been cut off and there's nobody else 
as far as she knows, hmm. in there. And it is very creepy and scary and exactly why I will never go to a Hall of Mirrors in my life. It sounds really creepy. I don't think I've ever been in like a proper Hall of Mirrors. Um, Same. But yeah, this sounds very unsettling because it's like when the door closes, like the cheerful sounds of the carnival had been extinguished like a flame. So it's completely silent in there. It's just her. She kind of gets freaked out when someone like steps towards her till she realizes it's her reflection. Um, but she's kind of trying to find her way around. She ends up in another room and it's just like, you know, clearly images of her all the way around. And she's like, oh, well, at least my hair looks good. Um, but she can also see why Ken didn't want to come because it is creepy. Um, and especially the fact that it's so quiet in there. She's like, okay, this actually is quite spooky. And she's like, there must be other people in this maze, but she just hasn't seen or heard anybody. And, <gasps> and apparently it's much bigger on the inside than it seemed on the outside. So now she's just kind of trying to figure out what direction she came from or how she actually gets out because she is starting to get a bit freaked. She's getting dizzy because it's just like she keeps turning around and it's just all these reflections and it's like some of them look exactly like her but some are distorted because you know there's like wavy mirrors and dark mirrors and it is scary and she is getting a bit yeah unsettled by the whole thing and she's like oh god okay I just need to get a grip and get out of here. <laughs> and then a genuinely, properly scary, scary thing happens because when she pauses to get her breath, she decides, you know, she she just stops for a moment to get her bearings. Yes. But at the very corner of her eye, one of the reflections had kept moving. That is genuinely oh. chilling. Like, I'm... <laughs> I hate it. So (laughs) scary. Fair play to the ghostwriter because that is actually fucking bone chilling. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very well placed, like the way that it's it's done in the scene. So we cush to the Sweet Valley Inn where Norva is pacing back and forth amid all the islets. And uh, there's no sign of Margot. And uh, Nora thinks, well, she's clearly chosen to spend New Year's Eve terrorising the Wakefield twins on her own. And at first, Nora's like, her feelings are hurt by this because it's like, that's what we do together. Terrorising those blonde bitches. But then, you know, so at first she had been hurt. Then she begins mm. to pace faster. She balled <gasps> one hand into a fist and pounded it against her other palm. So I think Margot's oh. sass mouth dame vibe is coming <laughs> off on Nora. <laughs> she and Margot were partners. Margot had no right to operate solo. <laughs> Why are yada? Yeah, very that. <laughs> so she looks in the mirror, still all cracked, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she has already dyed her hair at this stage. She's got the barrettes in. But the sight of the Elizabethan barrettes sent her into a fit of rage. She, she literally screaming. <laughs> literally goes, no. Oh my gosh. Yes. So she yanks out the barrettes, tousles her hair with her newly golden waves and uh, unbuttons the first two buttons of her nightgown because that is the Jessica vibe. Right. She like changes her expression into a I know a secret smile and uh, Jessica stared back at her in the mirror. <laughs> and someone else addresses her because the voice says, yes, this is your destiny. <laughs> She's like, damn fucking right it is. Oh my God, it's amazing. So she 
She's like, I'm, I'll show everyone. I'm going to make the ultimate move and I'm going to do it tonight. Goodbye, Nora. She breathed. Her eyes a more intense blue-green than the contact lenses alone could account for. So she's also got that mystical <laughs> fucking transformation power that Nora had in the evil twin where her eyes are just turning blue-green from sheer force of will. Did she get a dimple as well? Couldn't she like will a dimple into existence? Oh my god, they're actually shapeshifters. It's incredible. <laughs> oh yeah. After she breathes goodbye, Nora, she of course says, Hello, Jessica. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so we cut to the big dance tent where everyone's grooming to the droids playing, When will I be loved? And Liz feels all sad and thinks, Oh my god, she's such a fucking drama queen. She thinks, like, Todd's going to be kissing Jessica at midnight. And Lila approaches asking for Jessica, which fuels Liz's paranoia even more. And she's so rude to Lila. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she's just like, Lila quite reasonably asks her, Have you seen Jess? <laughs> Liz is just like, I'm not her keeper. <laughs> just like nearly shouting at her. So Lila's like, All right, sorry. Which is like, Look, I'm not the only one who's wondering where she is. Ken is looking for her too. Um, and she's like, you know, she was supposed to be, she went to the House of Mirrors almost two hours ago and nobody's seen her since then. And it's just like, I told you, I don't know where she is. Um, so Lila's just like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> Point talking to you about it, clearly. <laughs> um, and actually, when Liz is like, I've got loads of work to do, actually, Lila's like, oh, yeah, rolls her eyes. It's quarters to 12 on New Year's Eve. So naturally, you're wondering if it's time for the band to go on a break. That'd make a whole lot of sense, wouldn't it? Should appear out of nowhere saying, well, it would make a whole lot of sense, but Jessica? Hmm, there she is in her violet blouse. Hmm. And Liz wants to cry, you're not with Todd. Uh, but she can't because Ken is there and he's still Jessica's boyfriend, despite her allegedly cheating ways. Even though he could, <laughs> if she mentioned this, clear everything up. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, Lila does notice something different about Jessica's appearance. Yeah, she asks what happened to her cute purple and gold earrings. And mm. Jessica just kind of shrugs and she's like, oh, I lost one in the House of Mirrors, so I just had to take the other one off. Um, and Lila's like, oh, OK. And apparently they're, Lila and Amy are having a sleepover or something after this. And she's like, do you want to join us? The invitation's open. Uh, but Jessica says she's tired and that after... She says goodbye to Ken tonight after midnight. She's just going to crash. So um, she asks where Ken and Tony are. Oh, yeah, because Tony, I think, is Lila's date. Yes. Um, so she's like, OK, let's go dance. And they just kind of head off to the dance floor. So Liz is left alone again to be dramatic. <laughs> well, I mean, frankly, worrying because uh, she's tortured with images of Todd and Jessica holding hands. Uh -huh. That's not all they're doing. Uh -huh. In the tunnel of love. And then she says aloud under her breath, uh, you know, we love a whispered monologue, but mm. like she still fucking says this aloud. I wish she'd never saved his life. Like she would actually sooner Todd was dead than going out with <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> dead in a fireball. Yep. Like, <laughs> wow. I think there's one evil twin here. Oh, I, I love know who it is. <laughs> Turns out Jessica was the only non-evil twin. That can't be right. <laughs> um, I mean, implausible, but you know, maybe maybe they're all evil. Maybe that's the, the real you know solution. The, the twist is there's no good twin. They're all evil. <laughs> well, Dana's onto the who now, and it's too much for Liz, and she's like, "Oh fuck this!" I'm you know, the heck, no less, with staying late to help with the cleanup. She muttered under her breath. Olivia and Edith will cover for me. Oh, 
Will they now? Um, so she heads straight to bed and she hopes she'll sleep through the whole year. Oh. <laughs> so we cut to the casa. It's shortly after one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And there's an intruder in the house. <gasps> Nora is creeping up the stairs in the darkness uh, in the Wakefield house, but something brushes against her leg and she almost cries out, but then stops when she realises it's Prince Albert begging yeah. to be petted. <laughs> oh, oh, Prince Albert, you are a useless watchdog, but we do love you. <laughs> he's just so neglected. It's like someone pet his poor dog. It's like maybe he's just like, do you know what, Nora? Go do it. These fucking friends don't mind me properly at all. I might have a better shot with you and your mad sister. <laughs> Didn't he notice? Wasn't he the only one who, of the household who noticed that Margot was Margot? <laughs> You're right. He's actually the smartest Wakefield of all. <laughs> but I guess at this stage, he's just like giving up. He's like, yeah, fuck he's it. like, fuck do this. You know <laughs> No one has even mentioned me this past year, so <laughs> maybe you'll mind me and take me for a walk every now and again. <laughs> well, the sight of Prince Albert does remind Norma with, you know, her hatred of dirt and germs and everything. She It does make her remember that, you know, obviously Jessica is a, allegedly a dog lover and Prince Albert like sometimes sleeps in her room and... Um, She's she's determined to do something about that. And we learned that she spied Jessica coming home with Ken uh, from the bush, of course. Of course. Uh, And she knows that, you know, dutiful Liz will be cleaning up at the carnival, or so Mm -hmm. she thinks, until 2am. Ned and Alice are also out. She's sure they're getting hammered. Oh yeah, she's like if 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 their friends' parties were anything like the New Year's Eve parties Blanche and her father used to attend, everybody would be too drunk to even sit up until at least three o'clock. <laughs> this sounds like they're there's you know they're so pissed they'll be coming home early if they can't stay up till three o'clock. But uh, anyway, I don't want to think about the drink driving situation going on oh, as we finally New Year's Eve. Look at <laughs> yes, the less we know, the better. Yeah, so. Nora takes out Margot's blade. She's unnerved by her own reflection in the in the gleaming steel. Oh my god! Yes, she realizes with a start the image looked exactly like Margot. Like, yeah, dude, you're identical <laughs> twins. How are you still surprised by this? <laughs> so she almost expects Margot's reflection to, or you know, her own reflection. But I guess Margot appears in knives. That as that is quite fitting as well I as mean, mirrors. If she's going to appear anywhere. <laughs> And life is very fitting. <laughs> so she does have a moment of doubt and mm. like, oh shit, maybe Margot's right. Maybe I'm not up for this. But uh, but then she thinks, <gasps> if Margot ran the show, then Nora would be stuck being Elizabeth. Mm-mm. And of course, our favourite character of all, the voice, <laughs> intervenes. A raspy voice inside her head whispers, no, Jessica is your destiny. You will be Jessica. You are Jessica. <laughs> Yay, the voice. <laughs> so Jessica's door is open and Nora is horrified by the mess. Can't blame her. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Like She likes things neat and tidy and she's like, oh God, Jessica's personal habits are going to change a bit in the next few months. She's like, think dramatic, just a gradual evolution to a more orderly existence. Mm. <laughs> they won't spot you in five minutes, Nora, I'm just saying. Would, would they? <laughs> oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> she was wearing a janky fucking wig and her own parents were like, yes, this is Jessica. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true. I, well, I, mean, I don't know why I'd expect them to notice. Like, wow, her room is really tidy now. <laughs> I guess Jessica's just kind of tidy now. That's fine. Let's not investigate that any further. <laughs> so she creeps into the room. She gazes down at Jessica in the bed. And uh, she's fast asleep and she's got a nightshirt that she can see the word sweet on it. Like it's obviously mm. a sweet valley nightshirt, which I would uh-huh. kill for. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's sell them as merch. We just have to make them our own. <laughs> oh my. Yes. <laughs> we'll do our own ones. It'll be fine. <laughs> so Nora thinks she's sweet, all right. Revenge was even sweeter. Revenge for a lifetime of happiness bestowed on the wronged winds. Again, like it's Blanche you should be stabbing here. (laughs) Well, it goes without saying. But then she does have a moment of hesitation after she raises the knife. Yeah, because she's she's kind of wondering, is she killing the right person? She's like, maybe the person in the bed was herself and she's standing with the knife here and maybe she's the imposter. So she's just getting kind of freaked out and confused by just how creepily similar she and Jessica are. Uh, she's just like, oh my god, this is this is really weird. So she does hesitate, as you say, um, but yeah, kind of starts to wonder, God, who am I, basically? But uh, the voices intervene. <laughs> oh yeah, the voice is going full Mariah Carey and is and uh, declares, "It's time." <laughs> oh my god, the crossover I never knew I needed. <laughs> and then the voice says, "Do it." <gasps> <laughs> And she does. She does. She pushes a pillow over Jessica's face uh, and then stabs the shit out of her. Yeah, stabs her. A frenzy. Oh my God. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's bad. (laughs) It's very dramatic. Again, she's not thinking things through. Oh, not at all. (laughs) But uh, but anyway, she's delighted because she can smell magnolia. Uh, It was not logical. I mean, that's... I could Jesus, describe the entire book. Very, very little is, Nora. <laughs> but somehow it made sense, did it? It had symmetry. She is obsessed with symmetry. She is. And this isn't symmetrical, Nora. So this Ooh, obsession is inaccurate. <laughs> symmetry is go stab Blanche in Savannah. <laughs> yes, that would be the circle of life. Yeah. So Nora smiles. The old Jessica Wakefield was dead. And you, Jessica Wakefield, was about to be born. Incredible. (laughs) And that's where we're going to take a little break, listeners. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because, as you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And every week or every fortnight, we like to share another uh, member of the network with you. And this time, it's our old friend and former producer, uh, Gareth Farrelly, and his uh, Eurovision winning pal, Neve Kavanagh, uh, and Agony Rants. Oh, Agony Rance is such good crack. So yeah, Neve and Garrod have been friends for ages, for years. Like it's such, you, you know, you'd think it's an unusual pairing, but actually they're tremendous fun and they really bounce off each other so brilliantly. Uh, so yeah, so Agony Rance, if you need unwavering, unconditional support, someone to champion you or just get something off your chest, they're ready to listen, offer advice, and if necessary, start a brutal campaign of revenge on your behalf. Ooh. That last one feels more garrowed now than Neve. <laughs> I mean, it also sounds very Nora and Margot, so we're here for it. <laughs> yeah, we endorse that vibe. Uh, so yes, as a national treasure and mother of two, Neve is the calm, soothing voice of experience, whereas Garrowed, on the other hand, has a cat and limited patience but he's well intentioned <laughs> I mean that's all you need 
You can hear a little bit of of their wisdom right now. Hi, I'm Gerald Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And we regularly solve each other's problems. And now we'd like to solve yours in our podcast, Agony Rants. It's a weekly show where we offer you unwavering support. It's true. And it's the place to go if you need a place to vent or to get thoughtful advice. It's a serious lawsuit waiting to happen. Now, Grode, there isn't a problem that can't be helped by having a comedian and a Eurovision winner dissected before your very ears. Agony Rants is 40 minutes with two friends who just want to listen to you. Neve wants to listen. I dip in and out. Agony Rants has a new episode every Monday and you'll find us wherever you do your listening. And now... Back to Sweet Valley, where, I mean, revenge has been taken. But um, again, very poorly thought out revenge. Very little forward planning here. So, yeah, Nora looks down at the still form of Jessica Wakefield um, and she's just like, oh, God, she can kind of hear something then and then realises that there's like a noise coming from a bedroom and she figures out that Liz is home. She's uh, she's in the next room, but murmuring in her sleep. So she worries that she might have woken her up. But she's like, if I just stay really quiet, Liz will stay in bed. This will all be fine. But like, there is blood everywhere. <laughs> this is like, she looks out at the corpse and the <laughs> blood-soaked bed. Uh, and she's like, okay, cool. Uh, so um, I guess I, you know, the next stage is disposing of the body and hiding mm-hmm. this bloody mess. How are you going to do that? Like that blood will be going right through to the mattress. Fucking period blood goes into the mattress. Like this is actually let alone a stabbing frenzy. Jesus. <laughs> like I guess she's on a high because she does think in killing Jessica, she had killed her own past. Um, and then uh Prince Albert's trying to get in and he she whispers in Jessica's voice. Don't think she's ever heard it in real life in her life. And uh she says it's her own new voice. Mm. She says, Go away, Prince Albert. Um, but before he can go anywhere, a cry slices through the night. <gasps> what? Oh my God. <laughs> this is actually a bit confusing. It like, is very confusing. <laughs> because you would think there's a cry, Liz is at the door or something, you know, she can see this. But yeah. we cut to Liz, Liz's dream. She's having a very dramatic dream about Jessica being pushed off a cliff and exploding yes. at a fireball. Um and then she wakes up with a shriek. So I guess that was the cry. Yeah. And uh, she rushes to Jessica's room because, of course, the twins' uh, prophetic dreams are mm. all very serious. Only to see a terrifying sight. Oh, my goodness. So as she opens the door, uh, she sees Jessica dressed in black leather, scrambling out the window, silhouetted against the moonlight, a knife glittering in her hand, the blade wet with blood. And Liz is like, what the fuck? But then she realises that there's a body Um in the in the bed because the eyes of this girl climbing out the window are not Jessica's. They were <gasps> ice cold. She's like, oh my God, Margot's back. Prince yes. Albert is howling. She's like, what the fuck? She runs over to the bed screaming and she sees Jessica, eyes closed. Her body is limp. There's blood everywhere. This girl has gone out through the window. She's gone. Her blonde hair flying out behind her like a flag. Uh, and Liz's hands are just covered in blood now as she's trying to like wake Jessica up and she can hear a dog howling. And then everything goes black. <gasps> Well, we cut to Ned and Alice. They're coming home from the Egbert's bash. Sounds like it was a it was a fun time. Mm. And uh, as they're driving up to the house, they um, Alice is like, 
what is that howling? Like some, you know, some awful, some beast. Mm. Uh, and Ned's like, oh, ho, ho, haven't been any wolves around here in a while. I guess it's a dog. And Alice is like, oh, very sad dog. And then she sees somebody leaping down the, off the drain pipe of her own house and running into the night. <laughs> Amazing. At the same time, she apparently <laughs> recognises the howling dog's voice as Prince Albert. So she screams to Ned to call 911. The car is still moving when she jumps out and runs to the house. So she uh, runs upstairs, opens Jessica's door and I think Al- Prince Albert like pushes in past her. She flicks on the light and screams because she can see Jessica and Elizabeth lying on the carpet beside the unmade bed. Their arms are around each other. They're both <gasps> covered in blood. The sheets are drenched with it. Jessica's face is white. And like Alice lifts Jessica's hand to check for a pulse. But like there's nothing doing, guys. Prince Albert's trying to wake them. Oh, God, oh. that is actually the saddest part. Yeah. <laughs> Prince Albert. <laughs> so we cut back to the Sweet Valley Inn where Nora, who I guess didn't have any blood in her, I guess the jacket <laughs> was like zipped up very tightly and yeah. wiped clean. Wiped clean, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so she's surrounded by eyelets and she's regretting her rash plan. Uh-huh. Because, of course, Fucking Egypt, Nora. Like the Wakefields know that Jessica is dead. So yes. nobody can replace Jessica now. <laughs> no. And she's berating herself. She's like, I should have waited. I should have done Margot's plan. But uh, there's still no sign of Margot. And she's like, okay, well, one sniff apparently told her that because uh, her like grey cigarette smell has been fading. Um, so she hasn't been in the room since since Nora left. Well, then she hears a raspy voice say. <gasps> And then there was one. <laughs> and uh, she thinks it's the eyelets. But uh, then she looks in the mirror and uh, she hears another voice. It's not in the mirror, though. It's inside her mind. <gasps> and it says, and then there was one. And then her reflection says, and then there was one twin. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And she realises Jessica is in the mirror and the voice in Nora's head says, Elizabeth. <laughs> the voices get very complicated in this it's scene. very, like this, I didn't expect an arc for it <laughs> to get this messy and complicated because it's like it's in her head. It's her reflection in the mirror saying it. It's Margot saying it out loud. He just never know where the voice is going to crop up now at this stage. No. Well, Nora takes it seriously because she wipes off her bright lipstick. I mean, I guess she, you know, got fully made up to go do some murdering. Oh, yeah. You'd always dress up for a murder. (laughs) She takes off the leathers and she smiles thoughtfully in the mirror. And it's Elizabeth (laughs) who smiles back and she thinks... Or she says, if I can't be Jessica, I'll be Elizabeth. And thinks, the only spot left was Elizabeth's boring or not. (laughs) But then she wonders what Margot will say about this, because the reflection in the mirror became a snarling, silent Margot, who caressed a shard of glass with her fingers. (laughs) And the voice says, Margot won't like it. Nora doesn't care. She's had it. She's determined to join the Wakefield family. Nothing and nobody's going to stand in her way. Not even Margot. <gasps> so then we're going to see that's actually quite upsetting, especially for those of us who have had emergency services and ambulances in their lives. And mm. so basically Liz is revived. She realises the nightmare is real and the sirens yeah. are flashing. So Ned goes off with Jessica in the ambulance and yes. Liz and Alice follow it to the hospital. Um but they have to they have to wait. So there it's it's kind of 
implied that despite the fact that Jessica does have like multiple stab wounds, mm-hmm. there's a chance they could save her. Um, even though she's been stabbed in the heart many times. But mm. Lila or Liz says she saw Margot at the window. And Alice is like, yes, yes, sure you did. Um, and Liz is understandably tormented by the fact that she and Jessica were at odds when this mm, attack happened. Yeah. And then the doctor comes out. Oh my God. Yes. So he says that they tried everything, but the internal damage was too extensive. She lost too much blood. He shakes his head and turns his face away. I'm terribly sorry, he said a moment later, but we couldn't save her. Jessica is dead. (gasps) And I know at least one listener will find you in the comments later (laughs) said that she read this as a kid. It was just like, what? Oh, inconsolable, I would say, because you don't know when you're a kid that like there's going to be another fucking hundred books. (laughs) But like, yeah, as you're just reading them, as you're finding them, like, fuck, you don't know what's going to happen next. So that poor reader, we will find you and commiserate with you. (laughs) (laughs) So back at the casa, the whole gang have gathered. They're obviously Mm. all just in a state of shock. Poor Ken is like literally hiding around the side of the house to be in his own. And and actually, there's a properly sad moment when Lila and Amy arrives and when Lila, and Lila just like collapses on her knees, like sobbing um, in denial. And it's genuinely quite properly sad and upsetting. It is, yeah, definitely. And actually, seeing Lila lose her composure and Mm. like, you know, sink to her knees uh, yeah. is the thing that really like makes Todd go, oh, fuck, fuck, this is actually happening. Yeah. And they do try to put themselves together and Todd wonders if Liz will want him there. And this reminds Edith to glare at him, but Ken is like, no, look, she'll want you there. Yeah. Poor Ken is in anguish and uh, that Todd hears somebody sobbing and realises it's him. Oh, God. Like, it is very sad in fairness, yeah. And then Edith, like, takes his hand yeah. and you know so despite everything they're properly moved by it and I cannot believe I'm feeling real of human emotion <laughs> about Wakefield what the fuck <laughs> well then we meet oh god the worst <laughs> cops in Sweet Valley which is I mean, saying something really I mean they're all terrible cops but these guys really fucking take the biscuit holy truly. shit my god uh, by the way if they act like this to a uh, waspy <gasps> mm-hmm. lawyer's daughter, can you imagine yep. how they react to other people? Yeah. So, Detective Gail Pappas, who's a fucking piece of work, mm. she is basically <laughs> haranguing Liz, a child who has yes. just found her sister's murdered corpse, uh-huh. as Liz tells about her twin dream. And she's literally like rolling her fucking eyes and you know, in disgust. It's like, genuinely, it actually says she rolls her eyes in disgust and it's like, you are berating a traumatised child who has literally just found the dead body of her sister and you're acting like she's done it and it's like, and why did you go into her room? And it's like, because they're fucking sisters, you freak. Like, why won't you leave her alone? She heard a murderer and uh, Ned is like, look, they've always had, you know, I know it's not logical, sure isn't, but, you know, <laughs> they're identical twins. They've always had these weird dreams and, Appas is like, oh yeah, right. Um, and then eventually, when Liz like repeats, you know, tells about the dream and then says that she ran into the, Jessica's room and she saw Margot climbing out the window, Detective Pappas is like, I know you've got through a terrible ordeal, but frankly, I'm losing my patience. Oh my gosh. She's so bad at her job. 
<laughs> so bad at her job. Like, this has just happened. This is crazy. <laughs> so Liz just keeps saying, look, I know you, yes, you have shown me Margot's death certificate. Now, but about that. <laughs> can you get a death certificate for someone when there is no body? I think it will be very difficult. Wouldn't it? Or at least you'd have to wait a certain like five, ten years or something. Like it wouldn't be like a year later. It's like, well, we never found her body. She's dead. We showed you a piece of paper that proves <laughs> fucking nothing. <laughs> That's true. Because like, remember there was the case of uh, Richie from the Manic Street Preachers and his family oh, yeah. like, were trying to, you know, eventually for their own sort of hmm, closure, of get him yeah. declared dead after it was like seven years or something. Hmm. Um so, yeah, according to Sweet Valley Law, however, this serial well, they'll just, killer... They'll, they'll literally just take your word for it. You can take someone's word for it. It's like, yeah, she's dead. But you never found <gasps> the body. Nah. Also, <laughs> did they find the ambulance, which was presumably, like, covered in the evidence of her crimes? And the, the fucking... She slashed them good, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I guess they just slashed themselves good and then Margot got washed away. What are you talking about? You are the worst ever <laughs> which is saying something um, and Papas keeps being like oh you saw her die and Liz is getting you know Liz does point out you never found her body and yeah. the other cop Marsh he tries to be the good cop too late Marsh and <laughs> Ned finally says look it's four o'clock in the morning her twin just got murdered Jesus like, Christ we need info right now oh my god <laughs> like they're so cold and horrible to her it's just bananas. Well, remember the the approach in Liz's trial was like, remember, remember. So, <laughs> if we just yell, remember, in a traumatized child enough, they'll remember. <laughs> yeah. So they basically keep being like, "What did you see?" And she keeps saying, "Look, this is what I saw, yeah. and it was a girl my age." Okay. You don't want it to be Margot. It was a girl who looked exactly like me, but the same hair. And she had cold blue eyes. And she's like, they were Margot's eyes. Um, and they tried to get Liz in, but Papas is like, or sorry, Alice in. And Papas yes. is like, no, I'm not compromising her testimony by letting her hear Liz. And she keeps sobbing and saying that, like, she she's not crazy. She saw Margot. Yeah. And Ned basically leads her away in tears. So mm. no one believes her. No. Nora awakes. I mean, the islets. They mention the islets every fucking time. It's yeah, very she's, distressing. She's tormented by the islets. And now we are too. Yes. <laughs> so she wakes up and there's no sign of Margot, but she has been woken. <gasps> By the voice. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's not Margot's anymore. No. It's in her head. Oh God. <laughs> but it's still that raspy. And it says, and then there was one. Ooh. Now it smells of magnolias. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but the for the voice. Smell. Come on. Like I know synesthesia is a real thing, but like hers just seems to be bouncing all over the place. Like there's no real consistency to it at all. Oh yeah. Everything <laughs> smells of everything. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> So Nora's like, yes, and then there was one. And uh, she realises that now uh, this means that her and Margot, there's only one Wakefield twin and two Chappelle twins, and they're both going to be fighting to be Liz. She Mm -hmm. does think of all Margot's many victims. Remember initially she was like, Margot would never hurt a child. And now she's like, yeah, she killed about four (laughs) kids, didn't she? And that was just the kids as well as all the other people. Like, it's a list as long as your arm, the amount of people Margot has killed. <laughs> Quite nice to see them all listed right down to, you know, the caterer, mm-hmm. the uh, woman at the train station. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Black Lightning. Oh, all right, people, Black Lightning. Yeah. 
And the ambulance attendants. Indeed, her most recent victims. (laughs) (laughs) That we know of. Well. (laughs) So uh, she's like, oh, fuck. Marco knows what I've done. She's going to kill me next. She's like, but how does she know? And then she blames the eyelets. Oh, no. She reckons that the the eyes, they're all spying on her. They're working for Margot. And now Margot's (gasps) coming to kill her. So poor Nora is really just losing her grip completely here. Uh, So all of a sudden, the smell of blood is hanging around her, like red smoke, and it's choking her. And she can see Jessica's crumpled body. And she's like, oh, it's not Jessica's body. It was Nora's. So she's just like, okay, I have to find Margot and I have to kill her before she kills me. (gasps) So she's again staring into the mirror. It's all like murky and shining. And she's like looking at the kind of spider web that's in the smashed glass. But um, yeah, for now, it's her own face behind those dark slashes. But soon it would be Margot's face and it would be for real. After Margot was dead, (laughs) Nora would go after Elizabeth. In the end, there could be only one. (laughs) And my notes here just said, we've gone full Highlander. (laughs) Best SVH ever. (laughs) I mean, that is not doubt at this stage. I mean, honestly, this is the best <laughs> book ever. <laughs> oh, but like, yes, Highlander, let's go. <laughs> this ghostwriter is having the most fun and oh. we salute them. Honestly, what a great job. <laughs> so we cut to the casa where poor Liz is still in a daze. So we learn, understandably, mm-hmm. and we learn she sent all her pals away last yeah. night and Stephen arrives and like, obviously he's in an absolute state as well. And they, they, yeah. they mourn together and Her friends have been winging her, but she can't bring herself to talk to them. And she insists again that she saw Margot, but nobody believes her, including Stephen. And and she kind of realises in horror that, like, he is not going to be any help to her. No. Yeah, she's like, he's not going to help her. She's truly alone because she anytime she says it's Margot, everyone just looks at her like she's gone mad. And yeah. she's just like, I am completely on my own here. Like, nobody believes me. What am I going to do? Yeah. So it's it's a bad time for poor Liz. By the way, we're told when Prince Albert trots sadly into the room, poor little thing, more than anyone, so he'd been Jessica's dog. Poor Prince Albert, if that's oh the case. God. No wonder he was like, yeah, get her, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be any worse. Surely. <laughs> so Ned and Alice come in to plan the funeral. No mention of a church. We, I mean... It's funny, the Wakefields are like so waspy. I mean, I know we have Ned's uh, shoehorned Jewish granny. Jewish heritage, yes. (laughs) But um, that they shoot in to make them seem slightly less waspy. But (laughs) didn't we have one reference where they were going to, oh, it was Sue and the cathedral. That's the closest we've come to actual religion. That's right, yeah. (laughs) The non-denominational cathedral. (laughs) So the church... Uh, there's not going to be a church, not mentioned. The whole funeral is going to take place in Reed's funeral parlour near Jackson's Bluff. Oh my God. Like, I love it. <laughs> so our PBA siblings will know that last week in the clubhouse, we discussed a uh, ridiculous but entertaining episode in which Todd and his basketball buddies, or should I say his b-ball buddies... <laughs> Uh, had their annual dare to jump off Jackson's Bluff. And we were like, oh, Jackson's Bluff. Yeah, okay. Um, Where did that come from? But uh, here it is. There you go. Canonically in the books. That's where it came from. Because every so often the TV show will astound us with an incredible deep cut. And we're just like, how did they even pick this out? (laughs) And this book came out before 
long before, just like two years mm. before it, the, uh, the TV yeah. series. So fair play, Sweet mm. Valley High TV series. We stand corrected. Indeed. I mean, not for the first time. <laughs> no, definitely not the last. <laughs> So when Liz hears this, she screams, no funeral parlors, like Joan Crawford screaming about wa- no wire hangers. But um, she she <laughs> rightly says that a funeral parlor is very un-Jessica. Oh yeah, that Jessica would have absolutely hated it. It's too depressing, a stuffy funeral parlor with big ugly flower arrangements, people in conservative clothes. It's not what she would have wanted. And she is right, in fairness. Yes. Um, and Ned is just kind of trying to be like, look, this is the way things are done. It'll be okay. And she's like, no, it's all completely wrong. So when Stephen kind of asks her, well, like, where would you hold it? She says in school, in the auditorium of Sweet Valley High, on the same stage where she starred in Macbeth and Splendour in the Grass. Ooh. That's a real throwback, back to like oh, her and Bill. chasing yes. after Bill Chase. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the talent shows and other productions and at first Ned is kind of like oh I hardly think Mr. Cooper will consent to that and Liz is like he has to like Jessica loved that school more than any other place in the world and in fairness Jessica is the one for the old school spirit and what they're cheerleading and all um, that's so, true I so mean he does say look it's where she would want have wanted to say goodbye to everyone so I mean if they really went for a favourite place it should be Miller's Point sure I mean, but... <laughs> yeah but I guess it would be a little inappropriate bit weird <laughs> this is where yeah. she loved shifting her boyfriends from many many boyfriends some <laughs> of whom are dead yeah quite a few actually <laughs> yeah. at last they're think? at last they're together <laughs> they're all together you know polycule in heaven in hell <laughs> oh, well <laughs> hell polycule that's another band <laughs> you can have that one for free listeners <laughs> <laughs> so Alice reveals the Chrome Dome cancelled school yep. on Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, they did not cancel school when Regina died. No. Oh God, you're right. It's but just, I guess Jessica was murdered. So maybe it's <laughs> oh, Regina, Regina was murdered by drugs. Well, by drugs, that's true. But she wasn't a cheerleader, so there's also that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's not gonna cancel school for some random some random rich bitch. <laughs> Poor Regina. Or I'd be Regina. <laughs> Never far from our hearts, but clearly very far from all the sweet valiants. They haven't mentioned you in a long time. Even your own brother. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, they like, well, I guess they're giving a day off in her honour, so maybe it'll be okay. And uh, Ned is, isn't sure they'll let them bring the coffin in to the funeral parlor or to the school. School. <laughs> you could hear. Like, if that's where you wanted it. Like, we have coffins in houses for yeah, a that's true. day or so. So yeah. um, I think it'd be quite apt if she was there in her final, you know, this was her mm. final hurrah. Awaked, awake in school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, he reckons that um, he's going to, he's going to call Mr. Cooper and, uh, yes. and see, because if, if that's what she really thinks Jessica would have wanted, then they're going to try and make it happen. Yeah. We cut to Nora in the cemetery and initially I did not think that I I, I wasn't sure if this was a dream or not. Oh yeah, that's very much the vibe of this book. <laughs> and you're like, wait, where are we? Is this real? Is she hallucinating? In this but case, it, she actually is in the graveyard again. <laughs> she is. Um, so she's sure Margot will be, will be like lurking behind a headstone, but she feels mm-hmm. drawn to her grave. And then the, the voice says... Dig. So there's a whole chorus of voices going. Oh my god! Dig. The whole grief chorus now with this name. They are just recruiting members nonstop. <laughs> she realizes they want her to dig her own grave, but she's no. like, no. The voices couldn't rule her. Now she knew the truth. This is again the the voices arc is getting very complicated. Mm-hmm. 
So she thinks Margo ruled the voices. Margo had heard the voices first, had implanted them in Nora's brain. Now she's using them to scare her. So they, she thinks Nora's hiding, waiting for the chance to draw her blade across Nora's vulnerable throat. Then the blood will pour out of her, scarlet in the moonlight, and oh a dog God. would howl. <laughs> <laughs> what, what dog? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Prince Albert is there and he's like, no, you were the good one. <laughs> yeah, Nora, you would have taken me for walks and maybe fed me. <laughs> so Nora screams, no. And uh, she feels she's as strong as Margo. She's going to kill Margo first and then she's going to go after Elizabeth. But she yells into the darkness, Margo, come out and face me. <gasps> So um, we cut to Sweet Valley High. The auditorium is full of mourners and flowers, including some magnolia blossoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liz is getting ready to go onto the stage to deliver her address and mm. tribute. And uh, she didn't realise that Jessica touched so many people because there's a thou- 2,000 mm-hmm. yep. people in the Sweet Valley Auditorium. How big is yeah. this place? It's it's a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of them are probably just there to make sure she's actually dead. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were hoping the coffin would be there so they could take a selfie. <laughs> 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 Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> Annie Whitman is finally oh. able to say what she really thinks. Annie is buzzing. <laughs> Her and Robin are just yeah. having the time of their lives. <laughs> Robin has flown back. Oh my God, especially specifically for this, so she can just be like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> So uh, Lila finishes her reading and when she walks off stage, her and Liz actually have a genuinely quite touching moment where they mm. hug and Lila completely justifiably runs away crying. Oh, yeah. So Ken's up next and when he's uh, going on stage, he whispers to Liz, you look so much like her. <laughs> yes. No kidding. <laughs> So he gives a speech yeah. and then Liz takes to the stage. Oh, yeah. So she's really, she's trying to like draw on Jessica's courage and confidence to get her through this. Uh, so she's written a poem for Jessica, um, but she can feel herself already starting to cry. So mm. I don't know, will we read it or will we skip it? I think we need to read it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's like the werewolf poetry. Uh <laughs> Nothing would ever top the werewolf poetry. <laughs> well, I'll do the first verse and you can do the second. Okay. So it begins. Reflection, soulmate, sister, friend. Half of what I am is you. A vibrant smile. True. A helping hand. Absolutely not true. Mm, no. A love that always pulled us through. I mean, literally didn't recently. But anyway. <laughs> you who so loved life are gone. The life I loved is torn apart and I am left to carry on my mirror empty as my heart. And she kind of breaks off there. But again, a lot of mirror talk in this one. And it's weird Mm -hmm. that Liz is in such like a mirror vibe when it's Margot's and Nora's whole deal. (laughs) I mean, I think that this is all somebody in the comments also suggested there's a kind of boys from Brazil, like evil Nazi cloning thing going on. And, you know. That would explain why they have so many similarities, oh the whole God, the four of them. Truly would explain so much. <laughs> so she looks into the auditorium. Ned and Alice are in bits, understandably. Um, mm. Todd 
is not there anymore. He was in the front row. But Liz can't finish her poem and she limps away crying, we're told. Mm -hmm. Staggering off stage. Yeah. And then we cut to somebody who I cannot believe has turned up at this event. Yeah. Nora, you mad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Nora knew that it was dangerous for her to be at Jessica's memorial service. Like, dude, yes, of course it is. But she had no choice. Really? (laughs) You absolutely had a choice. Also, again, no mention of a disguise, even a wig. Not a bit. No. Like, but she reckons Margot couldn't resist showing up for such an event. So she's like, this is where I'm going to find Margot and kill her <laughs> because she realizes yeah. she has to find Margot before Margot finds her. So she's backstage, like peeking out from behind a bit of scenery from a play. <laughs> she's wearing an exact replica of the black dress that Liz is wearing. Um, so she's literally just lurking around backstage looking exactly like Liz. And this apparently is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we do learn that she's the one who brought the magnolias that are on the mm. stage, like the floral tribute. So she senses Margot's presence nearby. I'm going to say now, these spidey senses are not as accurate as the twins think they are. Hers needs some recalibrating. Yes. Yeah. But she can't see Nor- uh, Margot among the weeping throng. And of course, she mocks their weakness. They're blubbering and swollen-eyed, uh, crying with sloppy. Yeah. And uh, Liz is on stage now. And when uh, she hear- Nora hears the title of the poem, she rolls her eyes and whispers, The girl in the river. Because again... None of these bitches could resist an opportunity to do a whisper monologue. <laughs> They're just asking to be discovered, lurking wherever they are at any given moment. <laughs> so she thinks that's sentimental nonsense. I mean, she's obsessed with Girls in Mirrors, so a bit rich coming from you, Nora. True. <laughs> um, but you know, she's been through the looking glass and the girl inside the mirror was a fantasy. Twins were a fantasy. I mean, very much literally not a fantasy. <laughs> it's like a very real thing. <laughs> Biological reality. <laughs> But then the voice go- whispers, in the end, we are alone. Oh, <laughs> the, the voice is gone mournful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we cut to Todd's POV. And the reason he wasn't in the front row when Liz looked up from her reading was because as soon as she started reading, he was like, oh God, she's, you know, she's going to need somebody to be with her yeah. backstage. So he mm. runs around the uh, to you know, embrace her when she comes into the wings. And they yeah. reconcile because he know she knows it was Margot uh with him that night. And Todd is obviously freaked by this. And not just because she never actually told him what he'd done wrong. So he still has no idea what she's banging on about. Oh God. Yeah. But as soon as she starts going on about Margot, he's just like, oh God. And he's like, okay. What are you talking about, Liz? Margot is dead. So again, he doesn't believe her either, but she's insisting. She's like, no, we only thought we saw her die. She's not dead. She kissed you. She killed Jessica. She's somewhere nearby. I know that. And Todd is just like, okay, let's let's just get you out of here. <laughs> Don't think about that right now. So he kind of doesn't know what to say to her, I think. He's genuinely worried she's lost her mind. True. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, don't worry about it now. Yeah. Uh, and Liz hopes he... She, he she can convince him. Um, yes. You know, she's she's glad that they're reconciled. But then she has a, a psychic twin moment. She can feel Jessica's presence. Oh my God, overwhelmingly, as if Jessica was standing beside her. And Todd is like, okay, what's happening here? But she can hear uh, Jessica's voice in her head, another voice. But now it's 
Jessica saying, I'm alive. Help me, Lizzie. I need you. So Todd starts shaking her and he's like, Elizabeth, tell me what's wrong. And Liz is like, nothing's wrong. I just felt Jessica. Todd, maybe she's still alive. And again, Todd is like, oh, fuck. He's just like, Liz, I know how upset you are, but you saw Jessica's body yourself, just like you saw Margot's last year. She's dead, Liz. She's gone. So he's he's trying to gently pull her back to reality mm-hmm. as he sees it but Liz is just like nope 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 there's puzzle pieces here they're not fitting together but there's something going on here and she's like she had to dig deeper and then she oh, understands oh. <laughs> I mean again echoing the words of the voice True. like the recurring motifs are for real in this <laughs> really there's there's a whole lore going on behind this <laughs> this really, twin connection yeah this is really kind of look, pointing towards clones of this <laughs> psychic clones so then Lila appears and she's all confused because didn't she just see Liz backstage and Liz gasps and runs back to you know the direction Lila just came but no one is there no oh, man so back at the casa later Stephen is understandably very freaked out by Liz's mm-hmm. claims of her psychic powers and he is yes. genuinely worried that she has lost her mind and is going to have a nervous breakdown because she's like I can feel he- Jessica was there and he's like yeah yeah I know I could feed her spirit too and this is like no 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 she I don't mean her spirit I mean she was actually she nearby was yeah she's alive <laughs> she literally starts screaming oh god like, <laughs> yeah she's like I don't need help Jessica's the one who needs help we have to find her so again it's like like for the second time today a boy is shaking her <laughs> which when she's trying to point out what's happening but again he's just trying to talk her down he's like look you have to come to terms with reality Jessica's dead and Liz is just like nope I don't care what you say I don't understand what's happening but I know I felt her today and I'm gonna find a way to help her and she's like but I'm not thinking clearly so I'm gonna go to sleep for a while <laughs> then I'll be able to put the pieces together like you think she'd be way too keyed up to fall asleep but apparently a nap is gonna solve this for her and then she's gonna know what to do I mean good for her if she can't fall asleep in these circumstances so you know fair enough yeah yeah so we cut back to Sweet Valley High where Nora prowls the corridors. So she didn't spot Margaret at the funeral, but the voices are there mm. reminding her that she did feel twin vibes, I guess, as, uh, <laughs> during the service. Yeah, an unseen twin, apparently. <laughs> mm, a twin. Who's twin? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> So she's sure Margot is lurking somewhere in the school and then she walks down the corridor visualising her her future life as Liz. She sees mm-hmm. the Oracle office, she imagines shuffling through the books in that locker and greeting <gasps> Mr. Collins. Oh, he'd know if it was really Liz or not. <laughs> you'd, <laughs> well, you'd hope. <laughs> you would hope. Well, and Todd doesn't. I hope actually Mr. Oh, Collins would Actually, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> So she hears a noise uh, and she tells Margot to come and show herself. Let's settle mm. this one and for all. And then she she whirls around, she slips into uh, the floor and skids into a locker, and which makes a big you know banging noise. And yeah. she's like, stop making that noise. And she runs along and, you know, it's very... Um, the mood changes every second basically because one minute she's defiant, now she's terrified. She's like yeah. running away thinking she'll never escape Margot. And then she hears a banging sound that sounds like it's coming from the furnace room. 
yeah, there's definitely a noise coming from down there. So she's kind of listening to the door and suddenly realises this is where Margot has been staying. There's evil emanating from it, apparently slipping out from around the cracks in the door and through the keyhole. Reddish black filaments of evil oozed from the basement when nobody was looking. Margot was sending them out to find Nora and to bring her there. And now Nora had come. (laughs) Has Margot been actually living in this lair? For the whole year. But oh she my did God. say she lived in a basement and this is a basement. It's just That's in a school. True. Oh my God. <laughs> She's been in the school. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but Nori is convinced anyway. This is where Margot is. So she's like, she's going to try to get in here. But yeah, she feels like she's strong now. She can do this. But um, yeah, she, she tries a, to... She has a moment about Blanche, which yeah, is weirdly. completely insane. Out of nowhere, because again, she's got all these, like, there's a smell of roses, or it's the smell of flowers coming from the auditorium, of course, yeah. where all the, the flower arrangements are. Uh, so she's like, apparently one of the other voices that's in her head is Blanche's and has been all along. So because, I don't know, the smell of flowers, and she's like, Blanche of the cabbage roses, Blanche of the razor-sharp fingernails who torn her away from Margot when there'd still been hopes that Blanche had tried to destroy her, but she failed. The voices were in Nora's head, so Nora had control. So she decides that she's taking strength from this somehow. Her stepmother would never be able to hurt her again. Uh, Nora, what are you talking about? (laughs) Anyway, the door is locked, basically. Oh, oh, it is locked. It's the so, of all this. <laughs> but Nora decides she'll find a way to get in and she'll be back <laughs> after dark when her powers <laughs> are at their full strength. Is this a werewolf crossover? Please oh my say God. it is. That is truly the only thing that would make this better <laughs> is to throw in werewolf powers, please. <laughs> Just throw the shit in here. Like, yeah, cool. She's getting strength from Blanche's like psychic evil. (laughs) And uh, now her powers are at their full strength (laughs) under cover of darkness. Like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) I actually feel delirious. I know, and that's mostly just the book. It's not even us. <laughs> oh my word. So yeah, she thinks a locked door wouldn't stop her. No. Nothing could stop her. Oh my god. <laughs> so we cut to Liz. She's having a rather ridiculous dream. Where mm. I have to say, if Dream Jessica wanted to send a message, she could be a lot less vague and cryptic. <laughs> this is so true. Because we do cut to her dream, and it's Jessica saying the key in a reflection in a wavy glass. Find the key to unlock the secret and Liz is like what do you mean how do I do it dig deeper Jessica (laughs) you're almost there and then she disappears and then the dream turns into this like a lake dream but now there's two Margos trying (gasps) to stab her up uh, and she wakes up just like panicky and sweaty and just shivering and she's like oh my god I'm alive. Jessica had told me in the dream that she's alive. So she's sure of it more than ever now that Jessica is yeah. somewhere and alive. So she knows that one puzzle piece is still missing. Uh, and that is the key that Jessica was referring to. I mean, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. It's <laughs> still very, very vague. Yes. Um, so uh, she, uh, she she is in her bed, gripping the end of her sheet so hard it tore. Oh and God. then she asks aloud... Her voice rising to a fever pitch. Where is the key? Where do I find it? Oh my God. (laughs) She is going through it. (laughs) And it's going to get worse because 45 minutes later, 
Who should show up? Oh, well, the worst cops in town or the world, possibly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they're back at the house uh, this time to harass a traumatised minor. Remember, Roger Marsh is the, I'm not going to call him good cop, less evil cop. Like slightly less objectionable cop, I guess. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) So Liz feels sort of hyper aware as if Mm. like, she might spot the key at any second. And yeah. they ask her questions about Lila being Jessica's friend and Todd and like Papa saw the picture of him and Jessica in the paper. So she thinks that um, that, that that Todd is Jessica's um, boyfriend. boyfriend. And yeah. that mistake no, bother, no longer bothers Liz. Very noble of you, Jess- Liz, because it's not like it was completely ridiculous of you anyway to get so oh enraged by a typo. It's like, now I have all this perspective. It's like, really? It, it took yeah. all this for you to realise how stupid it was to be upset by that. <laughs> it took her being literally murdered. Oh, so she tells him like about Ken and about how Jessica vanished for a while in the hall, you know, after visiting the Hall of Mirrors and is like, is that the, the Hall of Mirrors? Yeah, that's the last time anybody, you know, saw her before that hmm. disappeared for a little while. Is that the key? And she hears Jessica say, Dig deeper. <laughs> this is all fueling the Marjo theory. Oh my God, it really is, to be mm. fair. Well, but then if Margo's back here as well. Is there, they're oh, triplets. Yeah. Okay, there's the yeah. Chappelle triplets. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Two of them are called Margo. <laughs> so we learned that they have now been asking Liz questions for over an hour. And it's ridiculous. so hot in the casa that Papas takes her jacket off. And Liz can see her gun in the holster and she shivers thinking of how Margot would behave if armed. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow Papas notices her like fear at the sight of the gun and she thinks she's just freaked by the fact that she has one. So the solution to that is to like take off the holster and just leave it on the fucking table. Yep. <laughs> So Papas asks if they saw anyone suspicious at the funeral because murderers sometimes return to the scene of the crime. And that makes Liz wonder, it's like, oh, maybe Margot was, you know, at the school, um, yeah. even though that wasn't the scene of the crime. But anyway, uh, and she looks at the gun. She gets an idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So Papas is um, still banging on and asking questions um, to Alice, I think, this time. Oh, no, she was going to... Yeah, go back to the period around one in the morning on New Year's Day. So yeah, the time that the, like she'd come into the room yeah. and seen Margot climbing out the window. Um, and the, like Ned and Alice are like, is this really necessary? Like seriously? She's got to keep answering the same way. Yeah, exactly. So um, they do kind of say, or the other detective does say, look, okay, Elizabeth has been through enough for now. We're not going to question her about that night unless she's prepared to tell us anything different from what she said before. And Liz is like, nope, that's how I remember it. And I know you don't believe me. But that's what it was. Uh, and she says, look, if it wasn't Margot Black, then she must have been Margot's twin sister. And suddenly <gasps> things start falling into place for her. Jessica's shimmering image apparently appears in her head. Only she's smiling this time. Margot's twin sister, Elizabeth thought breathless. Of course. Why didn't I, of all people, think of that before? Because it's totally fucking ridiculous, Elizabeth. That's why. <laughs> and also, it's not even the solution because Margot w- was actually alive. <laughs> <laughs> But at least you can hear the snap of a puzzle piece fitting into place because two Margos were in her dream and this explains that part of it. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, one Margot's dead. The other Margot had killed her. Jessica is somewhere else alive, but in terrible danger. So the detectives do decide, look, there's no point grilling her any further because she's still just going to say, say the same bullshit as before. Yeah. Um, so they decide they're going to question Alice 
more about the person that the she saw running from the house. So Liz kind of stands up and she's like, um, I'm just going to go. I forgot to eat. I'm going to go get something in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, Ned's a bit concerned, but she's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to just going to go. So she creeps into the kitchen, <laughs> waiting until Detective Pappas is pacing toward the archway. Then she turns around so her back is to Liz and Liz lifted the gun from the table and tiptoed out the kitchen door. <laughs> Liz has stolen a cop's gun, everybody. <laughs> oh my god. She did that. <laughs> yeah, she did. Elizabeth Wakefield did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Margo, our woman king. Wow. <laughs> Perfectly worked. <laughs> Apologies to uh Viola Davis. Um so <laughs> Uh, we cut to Sweet Valley High and Nora is chiseling to the furnace door open <laughs> she does it somehow <laughs> but it's so dark uh, there's like a steep staircase descending into a black void from the top of the stairs <gasps> so she can't actually see anything below but she was a creature <laughs> of darkness now <laughs> what? okay is she a werewolf is she a vampire <laughs> please elaborate is she Cookie Monster Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> the cemetery winds had filled her with their strength, apparently. What? And Blanche and Margot had added to her powers. Like, I don't even know what she is, but she's full on cryptid of some sort. <laughs> Jessica's life had poured into her soul like blood. Oh as well. God. As the yeah. other two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, she uh, decides that only Margot could hurt her now, but... That's not going to stop her because only one twin would triumph and would earn a life as the sole remaining Wakefield daughter. Only one of them would emerge from the furnace room alive. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so she could hear herself, someone breathing below in the darkness. She doesn't turn the light on, by the way. Anyway. Uh, she's so she's... Darkness. She doesn't need it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> so uh, she she knows that it's Margot because she can feel by the way bear in mind who this actually is <laughs> but still I mean yeah fair <laughs> she knows it's Margot because Margot's evil presence whirled around her like the blackest scent of death and fear oh my god amazing and she knows, yeah. she's, she knows she's not asleep because Margot never slept Margot was always ready <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> you literally saw her sleep. <laughs> I mean, we're going to find proof quite soon that, yeah, she really does sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nora produces her plate and descends. Mm. So Liz screeches up in the parking lot and uh, rushes up to the school and finds the door is propped open and she can feel <gasps> Jessica's presence, but she knows Jessica must be still in there because, you know, obviously... Uh, I mean, she could have missed her if Jessica got out of the school and gone home. Well, well, she wouldn't have propped the door open, though, would she, if she was escaping? Oh, true, true. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. I actually shouldn't criticise the uh, the Ghost Riders for... uh, I mean, really, Anna, you should know better by now. (laughs) (laughs) Just got distracted. It's a logical story structure. Oh, dare you. (laughs) Based on the last paragraph we just read. So, yeah, she she heads inside with a gun ready. Jesus Christ. Yes, she is armed and extremely fucking dangerous. (laughs) There is. So Nora has descended into the basement and it feels like the dream where she was like falling into the grave. Mm. And then a mystery figure attacks. 
<gasps> oh my god yeah so like this dark shape shifts position and she's like oh, it's Margot um, a hand tightens on her arm Nora slashes downwards so her blade whispers through fabric uh, the hand is still gripping her and she can't really manoeuvre her knife so she kicks out instead uh, she, like Margot clamped short to scream twisted Nora's arm backward uh, and she's in pain she drops the knife and the reflection in the blade's surface gleamed momentarily. Nora threw herself after it. Margot followed. Uh, she wrenches Nora's arm and Nora hears her shirt rip. And then the knife blade flashes again. But this time it's in Margot's hand. <gasps> so terrified Liz is creeping through the auditorium in darkness. Doesn't turn the light on for some reason. And then she hears the struggle below and says, Margot. <laughs> so she turns on the light finally like a sensible person. And she bounds yeah. down the stairs to the set, to the basement, clutching the gun. Yes. And then <coughs> Jessica leaps clear of the knife. For it was not Margot emanating pure evil from the basement. <laughs> that was all Jessica's own brand of evil. <laughs> <laughs> Seeping through the keyhole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. So uh, she's sure that Margot has returned to kill her, having kidnapped her in the Hall of Mirrors, of course, mm. which I simply do not buy. Margot would not leave Jessica alive for this long. She'd just no. kill her and, like, I don't know, Tire to a brick and throw with the river. Lob her into that furnace. Like, sure, by all means, drag her down to the furnace room yes. and then dispose of a body immediately. <laughs> no loose ends. <laughs> Ridiculous. But anyway, apparently this is pretty grim. She was tied up with like rope uh, with she had just enough room to go to a stinking toilet. Bad mm. they actually meant there was a toilet. And she's been yeah. living on water dripping from an old pipe. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So she's very weak. Mm -hmm. And Margot, or so... Jessica thinks it is takes her down and uh, hisses in her face now it's time to die <gasps> oh my god so this blade is at Jessica's throat but then suddenly the lights switch on so Jessica feels relief and she's like oh my god Liz has come to save me it has to be her so the next minute pa passes as if in slow motion where like Margot although it's Nora flinches as if the light were an enemy for she is a creature of darkness now oh, true uh, true yeah. <laughs> So Jessica can see her. She shudders at how alike they are, but how Margot is distorted by evil. So um, Jessica kind of takes advantage of this kind of Margot being distracted and yeah. being thrown off balance. So she kind of knocks her to the floor. So the knife again falls to the ground. So both girls are kind of lunging for the knife. But now suddenly another girl is in front of them <gasps> who looks exactly like Jessica and Margot. Why? It's Elizabeth and she's holding a gun. <laughs> yeah, she is. So uh, Liz is obviously extremely freaked out and a horrified Jessica realises that Liz does not know who is who. Oh my God. Um, so we cut to Liz's point of view and she's like, oh, they're both wearing Jessica's clothes. Now, surely the one who, as we learn in a second, still has her wrists tied together, who <laughs> looks like she's been living in a furnace room on <laughs> pipe water for a few days, is going to be obviously Jessica. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> Nora's creature of the night uh, <laughs> persona has also made her all scruffy. I don't know. Fuck. Oh, good point. <laughs> they have both been rolling around on the ground in here. <laughs> oh, also true. Uh, <laughs> Look at me defending the plot here. <laughs> very generous of you. I know. <laughs> so Liz can't bring herself to shoot anybody, but then the uh, sirens wail, they, or they hear sirens wailing outside. So both the girls um, who Liz is facing off with go for the knife and then Liz points the gun at one of them. Doesn't shoot her. No. Um, but also, it's Nora. 
<gasps> yeah, Liz yelled, stay away from that knife. And then she goes, Jessica, pick up the knife and keep it away from her. So Jessica is so relieved by this. She's like, oh my God, you don't know how glad I am to see you. She slashed through the ropes that bound her wrist. So yeah, fair enough. Her wrist actually more still tied, which would be a bit of a giveaway. Um, but um, yeah, so Liz is just really glad to see her, obviously. But she's like, okay, but right now I need you to grab that piece of rope that's lying there and tie her hands. So um, she's like, how did you know I was down here? Did you know that it was Margot alive again? And then this other girl on the floor... Nora is like, wait, you're not Margot? Jessica's like, good try, but you can't, can't trick my sister. We know you're Margot. Uh, and she turns to Liz and she's like, it's Margot, all right. Who else but Margot would have kidnapped me and brought me down here? And, uh, you know, it's not as though there are dozens of teenage girls <laughs> running around California looking exactly like us, except there definitely are. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, we've already had doppelgangers <laughs> elsewhere. Oh my god. <laughs> so Liz has again this it makes no sense that Liz as the key is that Marco had to twin because Marco was alive the entire time until yeah. Norma stabbed her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, like so so who are you at this girl on the floor who then says I'm Nora. So then of course Nora realizes that she stabbed Margot and it was her own sister that she actually killed and not Jessica, which yes. does really hit her like a ton of bricks. Yes. So she's horrified. And so in fairness is Jessica for once at the realisation that poor Liz has gone several days thinking her sister was dead. Yeah. And the police arrive and Jessica is like, how did you know it was me? And Liz smiled enigmatically and was like, oh, I know my twin. But then she's like, okay, uh, I saw the tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was as simple as that. <laughs> so I guess a lesson learned there. If you think you're going to try and take over somebody's life, don't get it to do. Damn it. Uh, too late for you. <laughs> I did not think this through. <laughs> well, the sirens wail as the girls emerge from school and Papa apologises to Liz nowhere near as fulsomely as she should. <laughs> No, however, Liz did steal her gun. <laughs> and apparently that's fine. Yeah. She Liz apologized like, oh, sorry about the gun stealing thing. This <laughs> is like, to tell you the truth, I was ready to throw the book at you for it. Great. <laughs> it seemed, yes. It so unstable. And then they're just like, yeah, but then, you know, Stephen talked to us and told us everything. So we said we'd come here. So basically they're just like, yeah, it's grand. Don't worry. <laughs> So um, as well, Stephen did tell them about Liz being convinced Jessica was at the school and they actually yeah. thought Liz might be coming to, you know, use the gun on herself. Yeah. So that's yeah. why they were there. Mm. Um, they didn't actually take the psychic twin thing seriously. And Nora is arrested and will be charged with assault and murder. And they're all like, so I suppose it was Margaret with that bed. I mean... Like Stephen's like, I'm sure the DA will sort uh, out the facts. It's like, I wouldn't be in this town. I really wouldn't count on it. Also, if this was a real horror film, that would have been Jessica in the bed. And Mm. this would have been Margot's amazing double bluff pretending to be Margot's victim. (gasps) That would have been so good. It'd be kind of like, oh, I nearly spoiled the end of another horror film. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, when you realise that somebody is the bad double yeah. after all. Oh, there'll be some little tiny giveaway or yeah. a quirk or a little, or something, a catchphrase or something. You'd be like, She'd oh, say, shit. the very last scene, she'd just go, yeah. patience. Yeah. <laughs> that would be chilling. 
Well, the cops are not going to do any DNA testing, even though it did exist at this stage, I think. Um, <laughs> God knows what will happen next. I hope we're leaving it open for more evil oh, twin madness. Um, but they say they, they know that she, they found her, the Miata, and the key to her room at the inn. So they're like, I'm sure we'll find all the evidence we need. <laughs> really? I don't know, guys. <laughs> You're pretty useless. Like, none of you are very good at your jobs, so really you're taking a lot for granted here. <laughs> well, they all go home, and then we cut to Fowler Crest two days later, Jessica's standing on a chair. Yeah, she's um, going to make a speech. Uh, <laughs> Winston starts yelling speech at her, and Maria shoves him into the pool. Um, <laughs> so Jessica thanks Lila and her sister and Stephen, and she's like, this is the greatest welcome back from the dead party anyone ever had. Oh. Uh, and Stephen is kind of shaking his finger at her. He's like, okay, now that you're back from the dead, please get down off that chair because you're stressing everyone out. <laughs> so, um, so she continues and uh, oh, Winston makes some crack about how, uh, Je- yeah, because Jessica says, now if my feet planted on the ground and Winston goes, that's a lot better than being planted six feet under. And he says it in a Groucho Marx voice and then Lila pushes him back into the pool, which <laughs> Very entertaining. <laughs> I do really like this wedding gag in this scene because, uh, yeah, it turns out Jessica could hear all their tributes at her, as as it turned out, fake funeral. Mm. I mean, <laughs> of, like, seriously, the worst person who could possibly hear that, you know, how much everybody loved them because she already has an inflated opinion of herself. That's so. so true. <laughs> Lila is worried that this will go to her head. I mean, it 100% will. Mm-hmm. And Jessica tells everybody how much she loves them. Uh, you know, even you, Winston. Winston pretends to swoon. Again, pushes him back into the pool. <laughs> I love it. This is so funny. <laughs> it's such a genuinely funny joke. Yeah, he just keeps making cracks and keeps getting shoved back into the pool as soon as he gets out. It's and it's great. also written in a in a great way because, uh, like, she goes, "Yes, even you, Winston." She added as he climbed out of the pool again. He pretended to swoon and again pushed him back in. <laughs> great. But Jessica says the biggest thanks and her love go to Liz, her sister who saved her life. Mm-hmm. And they embrace and, you know, declare their love for each other. And they silently vow, probably, you know, they can hear each other because they are full on psychics in this book. <laughs> they silently vow that they'll never go to bed angry with each other again. And uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was... Oh my God. <laughs> the end of the greatest work of literature ever penned. Truly, like, there's no topping that. It was incredible. <laughs> it was The Return of the Evil Twin. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> so good. So long, but I swear to God, it could have been twice as long and I'd have eaten it all up. Oh, 100%. I would have not been mad at that at all. <laughs> I would have been delighted. <laughs> well, do you have any stats and outfits for us? Oh my God. Okay, let's see. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of outfits, not a huge amount, because mm. a lot of it is just like a blouse that's a certain colour type of thing. Oh, okay, yes. Um, but there was a few bits and pieces. Oh, we had uh, Nora lent Margot some clothes after she finally washed all the fucking graveyard off her. Um, so she was wearing a pair of Nora's jeans and Nora's red blouse, which, you know, these are all silk blouses. I don't know why we're pretending like they could be anything else. I mean, obviously, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, the fortune teller, Madame Renata. She wears oh. a purple turban that's shot through with silver threads uh, and a complicated arrangement of scarves and robes in the same range of purples as her tent. So I'm into her whole vibe. <laughs> and doesn't actually Jessica say something about purple being her favourite colour? 
Oh, possibly. <laughs> Consistency. Very much so. Um, when the Chappelle girls are spying on uh, the Wakefield twins coming down the driveway from their creepy alleyway that's apparently on Calico Drive, uh, oh, they yeah. know that Jessica is wearing her pink tank top so Margot can <laughs> pull her duplicate one out of her little <laughs> travelling suitcase. Um, it's one of her favourites, apparently. And then Liz is wearing a white cotton sweater, which she also has an exact replica of for Nora. <laughs> <Or> she does. <laughs> or doubt, great. And yeah, other than that, then it was just Jess in her purple blouse and her black jeans. Yeah, so we kind of did that outfit. Hmm. But the stats. Oh my God, oh my. I can't wait. Go on. Oh God, the stats. Okay, have we another 20 minutes? <laughs> well, <laughs> for this. I, it deserves it. Come on, we can, be, we can stay up all fucking night. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, Wakefield blondness got 22 mentions. <laughs> oh my God. And now that was, that was just the blondness specifically about Liz and Jessica. <gasps> okay. Because okay. we also had... Okay, you know, and like, how do I categorize all of this? Okay, so then, and then the wake, well, second, the Wakefield blue green eyes got mm-hmm. nine mentions. And again, I mean, it's is, well above average, but yeah. It, it is. So then, then there's Nora and Margot, and the times that they're blonde was 10 times. Oh my God. So this is separate to Liz and Jessica. This is just Nora and Margot being blonde. And this doesn't include the wig, which had four mentions because oh it wasn't on anyone's head. So it was like, well, whose who oh, hair is this? Yeah. Whose blondness is this? So the wig had its own blondness fucking out going on. It's astonishing. Astonishing. It got, it got very confusing. Um, and then the, the Nora Margot blue-green eyes got nine mentions. So they were level with the Wakefields who actually have blue-green eyes. This is this is blowing my mind. Right? Okay. Now, and then... <laughs> There's more. There, oh, wait. There is more. So <laughs> I had to do a category of like the, the Chappelle dark hair because Ooh. Nora and Margot have black hair. But yeah. so did Emmeline Chappelle, who was their mother. <gasps> oh, yes. So, so I kind of grouped all three of those together. Fair. So the amount of times that the Chappelle raven black hair was mentioned was 16 times. My jaw has literally dropped. Okay. <laughs> this is staggering. So like it's 16 times. And then on top of that, there's 10 other times that their hair is mentioned when it's blonde. Like it was bonkers. So I can't do the maths in my head now. But... And I hate numbers. This is very stressful for me. <laughs> <laughs> then the Chappelle grey eyes, because again, Margot, mm-hmm. Nora and Emmeline all had these stormy grey eyes. They Those did. got five mentions. Wow. So, so that's yeah. like more than average for a Wakefield. Yes. Like it's bananas. Then I'm not done yet. The, <laughs> the phrase heart shaped face, <gasps> which of course describes all four of the oh, clones, yes. was mentioned six times. Good Lord. In reference to. That's a record. <laughs> that like heart shaped face usually gets thrown in once occasionally in the twin description. But yes, like, I was going to say the twin yeah. comparison. Perfect heart shaped sure. faces with yeah, the dimple yeah. and the left cheek. There were six heart shaped faces bopping around this book. Good sweet Jesus. Crazy. So Ken's blondness <laughs> got five mentions. Uh, yeah. And Todd's brown eyes also got five mentions. <laughs> Happy colored eyes. Exactly. <laughs> it's trademark. And finally, uh, oh people's God. eyes. You know the way the eyes, they're always up to something. Everybody's oh, yeah. eyes. People's eyes sparkle three times. Okay. They blaze twice. Oh. And then it's one apiece for <laughs> brightness, glitter, 
light up, Ooh. glow, and twinkle. <laughs> That's like a light show. It's, so it's like the seven dwarves, but they're all light related. It's crazy. So yeah, the stats kind of took on a life of their own in this book because everything just went off the fucking rails completely. We have never seen the like. It's, it's... It's, I don't know, even know what to make. I'm, I'm this stoked. Book, this book is truly its own character and beast completely. This book is a creature of darkness and those stats were very stressful because it was like, oh, blondness. Oh, but who's blondness? Oh God, it's the wig. It's not anybody. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> oh my God, that is mind-blowing stuff. Right? I don't think, nothing is going to top this book no. in fairness, but nothing's definitely going to top those stats. There's no matching those stats. Like nothing is no. going to it's gonna match that or top that, but we, dear God, <laughs> we will not see their like again. No, maybe that's for the best. <laughs> well, uh, let us know what you thought of the Return of the Evil Twin Part Two. Um, you know where to find us. We are on pretty much every social media at SVH Podcast. We're on, frankly, too many social media yeah, platforms at SVH Podcast. <laughs> Including Instagram. Um, though actually, of course, you can always email us at yes. svhpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are on Instagram where you had a lot to say about the last episode. I did love this from Sister Betty Confetti. This would have been an entirely different book series if Blanche had kept Margot instead. I like to think they would have eventually teamed up and got around the country, a murderer and a rampage and going off like a frog in a sock, as my papa used to say. <laughs> oh God, that whole Savannah section really was just wonderful. <laughs> in Pure Halo, by the way, check the inflation. So um, basically in 1988, 50 grand was worth 128 grand, 78, 784 now and you know at the time um it was you know it was actually worth oh, sorry that was in 1988 so when the evil twin was around it was worth 99 grand Ooh. and so it was actually you know not that bad it's actually a pretty impressive amount of money so there yes go. she said maybe we are too quick to judge our heiresses Nora and Sue <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Especially if one of them intended to live in Costa Rica. Well, cost of living would be cheaper. So, uh, yeah, there was um, there was a lot of kind words for our Southern accents, which, frankly, I'm not sure we deserve, but we'll no. take it. We definitely didn't. But yeah, we will. <laughs> we will gladly take your praise. Thank you. <laughs> also, a lot of amazement that Margot and uh, Nora are wearing contact lenses all the time. And again, as a contact lens wearer, I find this very difficult to believe. They are going to plan on wearing them 24 hours a day. I mean, they're going to develop like intolerances to contact lenses and they're not going to be able to wear them after like six months of this 24 hour. <laughs> be in sunglasses all the time. <laughs> also, uh, the Libby Grant had a great comment about the tagline, which was, will this be the Wakefield twins last Christmas? And she pointed out that it won't even be their last Christmas of junior year. <laughs> Um, there was a lot of fun in the tag yourself Um, Hannah J. Bear started us with I'm the Gemini Gemini tattoo this 16 year old girl raised in a southern bell home inexplicably has oh my god yeah it is so unlikely to be fair the way Blanche carries on (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> oh, Miss Mandy Berry said, I'm Margot's irrational insanity. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all at this stage? <laughs> yeah, certainly feel that way. <laughs> T. Dittman 01 said, Are the poor paramedics whose tragic deaths appear to go severely underreported? Oh my God. <laughs> Princess Fiona is an ogre said I'm the shop that specialises in Wakefield twin disguises honey blonde wigs Pacific Ocean contacts chinos I stock them all in the back <laughs> in the back of whom I have my special stock of items for those who want to take over a Wakefield twin's life oh my god incredible I did like uh, it was uh, Brendan H. 1987 said, I'm Ophelia, the twins, evil twins, evil twins, evil twin, sitting on the reserve bench, eager to leap into action. <laughs> and surely that's the third book in the evil twin. Trilogy. Oh, please. <laughs> OGW Nostalgia said, I'm perfectly normal slang terms surrounded by inexplicable scare quotes. <laughs> like, chill out. <laughs> Richard Chilla. Oh, yes. I'm delighted by that username. Every time I see no. this, I am Josh. I single handedly <gasps> foiled a serial killer while law enforcement agencies across multiple states laughed at me or wrongfully arrested me. Yet I have been erased <laughs> from the narrative by the ungrateful bitches whose lives I saved and dark web librarian PI. Justice for Josh. <laughs> Justice for Josh, indeed. She also said, I am zero, the actual number of US car hire agencies that would let a 16 year old rent a car. <laughs> oh, Cyrus Reed said, I'm the Sweet Valley Twins Holiday Mischief Super Edition, in which the twins were canonically good singers. And a few people. Uh, sent us that actually, that there is a Sweet Valley Twins book where they, they go off on a class trip because they're like a choral group and they're all really good at singing. <gasps> so they go off to Washington or something like that um, on a trip. And yeah, the twins being good singers is part of that book. Uh, yeah. So they obviously just decided when they go to high school, surely they have to have at least one flaw. Yeah. <laughs> they're just too much as it is. I mean, Honestly. they're too much anyway, ghostwriters. <laughs> Very true. The not boring Mandy said, I'm the troubled teen setting up a monument for Marco. Silent Spaces, she said. I'm Librarian Paramore, <laughs> the super sleuth who deserves her own spin-off series. <laughs> <laughs> Biblioarchaeologist said, I am Ned Wakefield's paralegal who does all of his actual work, including learning about carnival law. <laughs> I specialise in carnival law, don't you know? <laughs> God. Oh, there's so many brilliant comments. So many. Like I was trying to like space them out so we didn't just read the beginning ones and miss yeah. the end, but they're all amazing. Oh, um, so like it's, uh, Mia Clark Art said, I love that Margot has been camping out in a foggy mausoleum, <laughs> blade in hand and at the ready for a whole year. <laughs> she is indeed patient. Oh my God, she truly is. <laughs> and Marty Knox replied, like, did Margot find a store where she could buy food or whatever, where the store workers were like, did she try to kill someone to take their place? Eh, Lisa wasn't me. Or am I too logical? I mean, we're all too logical for this oh, series. We we continuously try to find logic in this series <laughs> and in this particular book. And we're just fooling ourselves, really. <laughs> um, Marnie Knox actually misremembered the book, having loved it as a, as a kid, that uh, Nora killed Blanche while making it look like an accident. And I guess that was my own fan fiction. I mean, please write more. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would read that. 
Oh, somebody did say maybe it was about the part. Oh, where was it? I can't find it. But somebody said that a T-shirt should be made that says, you know, in the uh, name stack of names uh, format. Jessica and Elizabeth <gasps> and Margot and Nora and I swear oh to God I would wear that because you okay. know that anybody recognized it would be oh that's your spirit. new that's your new friend right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fuck okay I'm gonna have to make a list of merch ideas <laughs> we're gonna have to get on this <laughs> Sister Betty Confetti said funding priorities for the Fallow Memorial Children's Ward Flattering lighting for newspaper photos in all rooms. Hiring push for more crazy orderlies. A crazy, or- crazy orderly for every room. Abundant seating at hospital rooms so that the entire gang can visit at once for maximum <laughs> drama. More hot doctors. The hottest doctors in Southern California. Specialists in treating head injuries with telling someone to live. Treating uh-huh. suicidality by allowing your bully to visit you. And developing new treatments so that teenagers can try cocaine without dying immediately. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Regina. Forever in our hearts. amazing okay one more they're all so good so Anne Foster not that one said as a librarian living for the portrayal of a former paramour capable of assembling a clippings folder from what I can only assume is the early 90s version of the dark web this is my profession represented properly (laughs) and Maria Theresa Bibliotheca also was hard standing uh, Cordelia the librarian iconic queen of the 90s information superhighway so yeah, good for you, Cordelia. <laughs> well, Fury Girl reminded us that there is something to look forward to in terms of uh, unhinged mass murderers in this universe, because she mm-hmm. said, I second the glee for SVU villain William White. <laughs> Your my fave. S- <laughs> well, I mean, fa- like when I say fave, I mean in a, in a Margot way. I do not think he's admirable. Oh, so, well, no. <laughs> she says, my sister and I trolled the local secondhand shops for years putting together our SBH collection. Uh, we have all the high end twins, but uni was hardest to find. Tell us about it. I remember mm. our glee upon finding the return of William, well, I say William Wallace, but I presume you mean William White, <laughs> more than that, and its cybersonic cover. It's so good to know that this universe continues to reach highs after Nora Chappelle. And oh. we can tell you that thanks to you, our amazing listeners, we have really expanded our SVU collections. Oh my God, like ridiculously much. You guys have been amazing and thank you so, so much. Uh, Morgan Nixon, I need to shout out because she sent us over a gorgeous box of SVU books and like, we're oh. really, um, really, really grateful, lads, honestly, because these are so hard to find. So we really, really appreciate you so much sending us on these books because it's, yeah. it's, you know what? Yeah, we're we're definitely going to have a lot of content to oh. keep to keep trucking, and it feels like William White is kind of the spiritual successor to Margot and Nora, really. Oh, we a hundred percent is. <laughs> and if anyone can hook us up with those Return of William White books, because there's two of them, and they are going for insane amounts of money <laughs> online. So if you come across them and you can bring yourself to give them away, let us know. We will up. Update our um, our uh, Google uh, oh, spreadsheets yeah. spreadsheets um, to update the ones we're missing because I'm amazed. I think we're doing pretty well, both we're of us doing, now. We really are, to be honest. Yeah, I, I genuinely can't believe this has worked out so well. I think I uh, just underestimated how lovely you all are. Oh, That's on me. <laughs> we should never do that again. No. Not, that we, not that we thought you weren't, but just no, your but generosity just like, is so delightful. Truly. And um, yeah, I've been able to continue my binge 
I'm up to book 20 now. Just going to say, Stephen turns out to be even worse than we all thought he was. Who, who would have thought such a thing could happen? <laughs> there's been shenanigans. There's been uh, Jessica. Oh, there's been Lila opening a non-profit donut shop. What? I mean, they didn't see that one coming, but uh, we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about. So don't worry. Oh when incredible. we finally reach the end of SVH, which will not happen for quite some time. No, we still have another like this year and next year, I feel like, obviously, yes. books to do. So yeah, like, yeah, we're good for quite some time still. Um, oh, also, I do need to shout out Plucky Insolence, who sent us some incredible emails, uh, one of which is a kind of an explainer diagram of a theory about how Margot and Nora are related to Jessica and Liz. And it dives into, like, the Samantha Watson of it all from the sagas. And uh, there's a chart. There's a chart, there's a diagram. We're going to have to post it because it's amazing oh. and detailed and gets into it with like Melanie from the um, Mad Bomber book as well because she was also like a clone <gasps> of the Julianne! Yeah, her and Julianne. See, all of these Wakefield lookalikes of which there are many and through the generations too. Uh, so, so I'll have to post this up everywhere because it's it's so detailed and amazing. And thank you so much for sending it on. Plucky Insolence. You continue to amaze us with incredible content. Oh, and with incredible crafts. Honestly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so thank you everybody for uh, your support of the show. And a special big thanks to our Pi Beat Alpha siblings uh, for your financial contribution. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And if you would like to never go a week without some Sweet Valley nonsense, you can join our sorority and uh, hear us recapping um, another part of the Sweet Valley universe by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show for as little as five euro a month. And that gets you access to the bonus content for all the podcasts on the network, of which there are many. And it gets you our PBA series, which is us recapping the TV show and having an absolute blast with it. Our next one, we're going to be starting into season four. So there's yes. like this three entire seasons of yeah. content there to uh, to catch up on. There's and, a lot. Yeah. And, oh, and also the episodes are on YouTube now. So for anybody outside the US, because uh, it, it is on Amazon Prime in the yes. US, the TV show, but now it is on YouTube. And I kind of feel like maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much in case someone catches on and it gets taken down. <laughs> just do a search for Sweet Valley High 1994 on YouTube. And don't you'll, you'll find it. Yeah, don't spread you'll the word anymore. Yeah, but, yeah uh, just keep it between us. <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch the actual episodes and then listen in to, uh, to us. I mean, I was going to say tearing it apart, but that was our original intention. And now we're so fond of that show and everyone (laughs) that we're just having such a great time. I know Stockholm Syndrome isn't a real thing, but I think we might kind of have it with this show. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) We are getting a lot of pleasure out of it and we know our Pi Beta Alpha siblings are too. So we will see you in the clubhouse, Pi Beta Alpha siblings, next week when we find out what happens when the gang discover romance wasn't built in a day. Ooh. And uh, by the way, the episode after this of this Tempts Anybody is called Loose Lip Sig Yachts. Oh, wow. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and the episode after that is called Drag King. Oh, holy shit. Okay, this is going to be a good season. I can feel it. <laughs> so uh, we'll see our Pi Beta Alpha siblings in the clubhouse for romance was built in a day. But we will see everybody 
back in the main feed in two weeks' time when we finally find out the results of oh the Pom Pom Wars. Wow, I'm going to have to reread that entire book because I don't remember it. Same. <laughs> it's changed. Like, oh, are they fighting again? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. 